0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks.
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
2: The Jacksonville Jaguars preseason is officially over. And now come some of those hard decisions as the team starts to cut its roster down to 53 men and gets ready for that Kansas city game in week one. Stuart Weber here on ESPN 690, along with Austin lane for the next three hours. We'll be talking plenty of Jaguars. We'll, Talk a little college football, of course, games last night and games this weekend, and some high school football. Our ESPN 690 Game of the Week. I'll be on the call for that one a little later on tonight, along with Coach Kevin Sullivan, the Hall of Famer. We'll have that game at 7 o'clock at Fernandina Beach High School. They'll be taking on their Nassau County rivals in Yulee. Yulee will be coming to Fernandina to take on the Pirates. So uh, a lot of football to get to. Yeah, and we'll also be joined by
3: Cecil Shorts, the third in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Cecil just re- recently uh, had an article that was uh, released on a website kind of detailing Justin Blackman a little bit and kind of, you know, the rise and fall of Justin Blackman, kind of some of the things he had to go through and just the talent that that guy had that kind of went unrealized. So we'll have Cecil here in the four o'clock hour to kind of talk about his article a little bit. Should be a pretty good interview.
2: Yes, yeah, some good insight. And, and one of the reasons we we like having you here as a, a co-host is because of that that player insight that only you can provide because you guys are there. You guys are seeing what's happening inside the locker room and the inner workings of a team. And it's good to be able to express that to the people out there in in radio land listening yeah absolutely you know i mean that's what i try
3: to bring to the show is i try
2: to peel back
3: that curtain a little bit and give the viewer just kind of a look to see what exactly happens in the locker room you know and it's funny because even 10 years ago i think there was it was a little taboo to talk about a lot of things in the locker room right uh kind of the thing was like what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room and i think you're starting to see more and more guys now come out and share stories or you're starting to see more instagram videos or twitter videos so i think that those that old school way of thinking that old school mentality is kind of over now and you know people are starting to get a real inside look to what it's like to be a football player
2: whether it's good bad or indifferent well of course society has changed a great deal and yep. certainly that that comes along with it and uh, I I thought I was the one who was here to peel back the curtain on what it was like to be a major athlete. I, no, I mean, that, hey, that, if you want, I guess
3: if, if you want to get in the bowling,
2: man, we can get into the bowling. A um, hey, uh, championship championship match next week. Nice, going for the title. Uh, exactly, there we go. I'm pretty excited about that. What's the What's the Vegas right now uh, line saying? You guys, favorites or? Ooh, that's a good question. You underdogs. We I think we might be favorites because we had uh, we had a strong week in in, okay. this, in the final week of the regular season, big sweep. Yep. Took all the points, and by my understanding, the winner gets a T-shirt. Winner wins a T-shirt, yes. Yeah. A big, Which, well, big prize. But more importantly, bragging rights as well. The funny thing is, at the beginning of the season, everybody gets a T-shirt. Oh, so but it's it, like a purse. At, at the end of the year, trophy. <laughs> at the end of the year, the T-shirt says "Champs" on it. Okay. So you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah a little, add a so little font to the, it. The point is, I don't have one. I want one. There you go. That's all that matters. That's man. the key. All right. Yes. Enough about that. Let's let's talk some Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh Thoughts from the game last night. Uh, mm-hmm. I know if any fans watch the entire thing, man, you deserve a T-shirt that's well a champs Well, give me a T-shirt, man. You watch the whole thing. Well, now, well, you're not a fan. I'm saying the fans are Oh, okay. Are I got you. We, we have to. It's <laughs> yeah. part of our job. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now, did, did I watch it picture and picture and picture with uh, maybe the Clemson game and some okay. other stuff? I did, but... I still made it a habit to watch the Jaguars game, obviously, because there's a few interesting storylines. You know, I think probably the biggest talk of the time was either between Gardner Minshew or Taven Bryan. Let's go ahead and start with Gardner Minshew real quick. So I talked about yesterday. We kind of discussed where I think he has to have I think he he had to have a good game last night in order to solidify himself as that backup quarterback now yeah if you look at the roster right now he's the backup quarterback and i get that but i think there's a little voice of uncertainty right now in that locker room uh with that coaching staff to say hey if Foles gold if Foles, you know gets hurt or something knock on wood if he goes down with an injury what's the franchise of the jaguar what's the state of the jaguars looking like with gardner Minshew leading the way and i don't think gardner Minshew is a guy that can win you a football game but you have to ask yourself the question, can he lose you a football game? You know, I think last night we saw a little bit of regression. Um, he had a pick six that was called back, thankfully, to due to a penalty. But I thought he made some bad mistakes last night. And listen, they're not doing him any favors by having him roll with the twos and threes the entire time. I'm not sure exactly what he looks like when he goes with the ones in practice. You know, all I have to go off of is what I see in the preseason games. And I saw a guy that came out week one against the Ravens who struggled a little bit. I saw a guy that progressed a little bit as it went on between the Eagles and then the Dolphins. And last night, I thought I I saw some steps taken back. Now, there's a lot of drops last night. There was a lot of mental errors last night. But all things considered, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguar Stewart, are you looking at this waiver wire right now? and trying to see if there's any backup quarterbacks available that get released from different teams.
2: I think they're always doing that, uh, certainly. And the reason you say that he's locked up that backup role is because of the fact that some cuts have already come down. Uh, and the way of social media and the way of uh, sources and things getting released and, shoot, players tweeting about it, uh, Jaguars have already – some some names have already leaked. Dayton Jones, uh, the defensive lineman – uh, Savion Smith, the cornerback; C.J. Revis, the safety; bit of a surprise there, and Alex Magoo, which is the reason why uh, you say Gardner Minshew would be the backup. But yes, I I do think that the team is keeping their eye out. But I don't I don't know if there's that many great names out there right now in mm-hmm. terms of backup quarterbacks. That's why teams are going and pulling guys out of retirement, the McCowns and the Moores of the world, in order to be their backup quarterbacks. Now. Would I be surprised if Magoo is on this practice squad in a week? No, not at all. I, I think that's probably the the thought process here, right? You you go with Minshew because you don't want somebody to snatch him off your practice squad because he's a draft pick of yours from this year. And then you keep Magoo on on the practice squad for your own team, and you have those three guys. you got two guys you're developing to go along with Nick Foles, who, knock on wood, mm-hmm. is your guy the entire year. Yeah, and, you know,
3: with Gardner Minshew, he's a guy that you took late in the draft. You want to develop him. You want to mold him into what you think, you know, the quarterback play should be. So they're definitely going to hang on to him. You know, it's – listen, teams sometimes, because uh, they have no other choice, they cut some of their late-round picks. But Gardner Minshew, being that backup quarterback, uh the battle basically was between him and Alex Magoo. Obviously, I think the team was going to go with Gardner Minshew. So, yeah, he was he was safe in that standpoint – but, you know, if you look at the free agent block right now, I mean, there's not a lot of names out there. You have Sam Bradford, who I'll be honest, I don't want to see Sam Bradford in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. Um, I think the injury history is just too prevalent. Um, I think one hit could, you know, be a, a catastrophe for him. Um, he has a big injury history, so I don't want Sam Bradford Uh Landry Jones is an interesting name from Pittsburgh, who was the backup in Pittsburgh for a while, signs an XFL contract now. And listen, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how those contracts work. I have no idea if you're locked into that XFL contract for a certain certain amount of years, kind of like what they do in Canada, or if it's like the AAF had, where at any time you can go join an NFL roster. I would assume that he's locked into at least a one-year deal. So I think Landry Jones is off the table as well. And then um, besides that, you know, there's
2: nothing really out there right now. So I say you go get John Wolford, John Wolford, assuming that some moves are going to be made all around, of course, uh, played for the Rams, uh, had a really good preseason and he he's a success story from the AAF. the former Bishop Kenny Crusader, John Wolford, who uh, did very well in the AAF, has led them in touchdown passes for his time Mm -hmm. uh, with the league and then got a chance with the Rams who, you know, they're set. They're going to go with their two guys that they have in uh, golf and the boat.
3: Well, and this kind of begs the question as well, though, is if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, assuming Alex Magoo comes back. I mean, listen, if no one takes Alex Magoo off waivers, he's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar in that practice squad. Correct. He has every right to be. And I'm actually more intrigued with him than I am in Gardner Minshew right now. I think with his ability to run, I think with his ability to hit every single pass from different angles, from different arm angles, from, you know, kind of. "Quote unquote bad QB form when his shoulders are turned. I think he has the ability to make every single throw. I think it's just trying to harness that ability now and make him into a better quarterback. But let's be honest here: the the guy has led two scoring drives. The other scoring drive was Nick Foles, and that's been it so far. You know, it's it's been kind of a lackluster preseason for the Jacksonville
2: Jaguars. In so, the games, in the
3: games, yes.
2: And I think a lot of the evaluation is not coming in the games. I think a lot of the evaluation is coming in those practices when these guys are getting those extra reps, those extended reps. As you well know, they record every single one of them in every single practice and pour over that video and, you know, review the tape quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and in a preseason where the emphasis has been on getting more reps in practice and getting more meaningful reps in that arena, as opposed to in an actual preseason game where you can only go in there and get 8, 15, 20, 30 over the course of those games, maybe that's where most of this evaluation is coming from. And obviously we're going to evaluate what we can see, which is the game. True. But I feel like the coaching staff might be looking at it a different way. See, and I'm not in those coaches meetings.
3: Um, You know, when I was around the game, it was always that, you did your practice reps and those practice reps earned you game reps. Sure. And then they, they they evaluate you as a player from those game reps. Now, maybe, you know, coach Marone has taken upon himself to evaluate more of the practice film, which maybe can make sense for a guy like Dayton Jones, who I thought in, at least in the preseason games, I thought he shined a lot. I mean he he had a field goal block last night. Um he had a couple big hits a couple of games. Out Cody ago. Kessler, Took yeah. out Cody Kessler. Yeah. So I thought Dayton Jones, you know, had a hell of a preseason and this was a guy who could play that three technique. I think he he could play that big five technique. He could do a lot of things. Shoot, the guy could probably cut wait and play outside linebacker if you needed him to, because he's done it before in Minnesota. So I thought that was a guy that was really versatile that I was kind of sad to see go. Um, not to say he's not going to get brought back. You know, like, I, I'm not sure what the contract stipulations were, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars sign him after week one again for maybe a a, a cheaper bargain. But getting back to Gardner Minshew quick. So th- this kind of begs the question. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and what a lot of NFL teams will do, if they're kind of uncertain right now at their backup quarterback, they will... You know, bring on another guy when the time comes, right? And let's go ahead and knock on wood for the third time the show. But say Nick Foles gets hurt, well then yeah, then maybe if you're the Jaguars, you go out and you find a backup quarterback to take uh, his spot, and then still have Gardner Mitchell be the backup. My only issue with that is, is that then you lose that time to build and develop into that system, right? Like if you just bring in a guy off the street, you know, for like a, you know, in, in the middle of the NFL season, you bring him up off the street. Well, he needs time to learn the playbook. You know, he needs time to learn the system and the guys that he's playing with. So I understand that standpoint, too. But I feel like if there's a guy that you need to get, you
2: get him right now just so you can build him in the system. I got good news for you, Austin. What do you got? Backup season is over. Yeah. We get to start talking about starters next week. We get Mm -hmm. to stop worrying about the third-string guys, the bottom of the roster. We get to focus on the top of the roster and how they're going to match up with the Kansas City Chiefs. I am very excited about this. Chiefs, Jaguars, man. I can't wait. I mean, we're we're getting closer and closer. so. We will continue to talk about the backups today because that's what's fresh on our mind. We've got conversations with Tyree Brady yeah. as well as Leon Jacobs, who is not a backup, but played a significant amount of snaps in that game last Tave night. Taven Bryan as well. we got to get into a little bit as, we'll kind of what some, I saw. We'll talk some Taven Bryan too. Yeah. And we'll hear from the quarterbacks, Minshew and Magoo, the now no longer on the Jaguars, at least for the time being, Alex Magoo. All that's coming up right here on ESPN 690 on a Friday. We'll be right back.
4: super
0: frustrating um, we didn't play well enough I didn't play well enough um, so you know we're gonna take what you know things you did wrong from this and move forward yeah ideally you want to score touchdowns and when you don't that's not ideal you know so um, you know, you gotta be uh, you know now my focus is next time I get an opportunity I'm gonna be uh, as ready as I can be
2: that is Gardner Minshew that second part after I asked him you know, what, what's the feeling after not scoring on any of your, your drives for this preseason? Uh, because he goes the entire preseason scoreless. And the Jaguars as a whole, by the way, did not score many points over the course of this entire preseason. We're back on ESPN 690, Stuart Weber, along with Austin Lane. We're going to be doing a little tag team like we've done, uh, yesterday. Uh, Marcel Robinson will come in at four o'clock and I'll jet on up to Fernandina Beach High School where the mm-hmm. Pirates will be taking on the Hornets. In a battle for Nassau County, our ESPN 690 High School Football Game of the Week. Going to be a whole lot of fun up there. I uh, hope you guys can join us. We will be streaming that game, much like we do the radio broadcast, if you're watching right now, on the streams on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, on Brent's account, Twitch, or Mixer, because that's still a thing, apparently. Shout out to Ninja. Oh, just got started, man. Yeah, we're trying to get all that Mixer money. That's it. Yeah. we're How about how much have we got coos how much money have we gotten from mixer for bumping up their numbers with our show
3: that he's legally obligated to tell us probably nothing but that he's pocketed himself oh you would Mm.
5: legally i have to say zero
3: yeah but dude's rocking new watches and stuff every single day
2: he's got a new pair of frames yeah i see those frames they're like gold gold plated
5: it's my new friday thing
2: it's the friday glasses friday frames
5: Friday
2: Frames, yeah. Friday Frames.
3: Man, I almost want to sit in front of the TV for like hours on end now and get bad eyesight just so I can participate in Friday Frames, Goose. I'll see what I can do.
2: Sorry, the non-frames portion of the broadcast will be in here uh, talking while Kuz is <laughs> out there. Uh, Doing his thing.
3: But speaking about sitting in front of the TV last night, I'm sure the ratings for preseason game number four, Jaguars-Falcons, were amazing because I was on the sidelines. Well, you were on the sidelines. You did a fantastic job. Thank you. I wish they would have cut to you more. So I'm going to say, hey, I I don't want to point any fingers at anybody to run the production staff there. But uh, I think we needed some more Stuart Weber last night. But let me ask you this. No comment. And I get it. It's preseason, and I haven't overhyped it at all. You know, I haven't haven't jumped to conclusions on this team quite yet just because of some preseason games. But is this probably the worst preseason run in terms of games that you've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars play? And does that say anything about it? Because I found an interesting stat today on CBS Sports I wanted to share with you real quick. Over the past 11 years, between preseason play and winning the Super Bowl, Since 2008, no Super Bowl champion has finished the preseason with a losing record since 2008. Now, some teams have gone to the Super Bowl, but there's never been a Super Bowl champion with a losing preseason record since 2008.
2: What about playoff teams? Because I'm really more focused on that right now. Okay, I mean, I'm just trying to (laughs) shoot for the stars, man. Yeah, you shoot for the stars. Uh, I'm shooting for overtime in January. Okay. That's what I'm shooting for. By the way, I just pulled up the numbers. Um, And, yes, the Jaguars go winless in the preseason for the first time ever. And to answer your question, I have not seen a preseason this bad. But I have seen regular season games this bad. Yeah. That 0-8 start under Gus Bradley was was less than ideal. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was a lot of games that kind of felt that way during those. Except those felt worse because you couldn't just tell yourself, oh, it's just the backups. Because those were the starters doing that. And so that made it hurt. So I pulled up the numbers from the broadcast last night. This may surprise you. It did did okay in the ratings. Good. People were watching that game last night. Good. Uh, uh, 11.6 rating with a 19 share for the broadcast. I know those numbers seem a little random. 20, that yeah, mean, th- th- 19,
3: th- th- that means nothing to me right now.
2: 19 share means that 19% of the people who had their TVs on were watching the game. Okay. So, uh, you know, 20% of the people are watching the game. So, yeah. I mean, for a preseason game, number four, that doesn't matter. People were still watching. So shout out to everybody well, uh, for watching. Well, let's be honest. It, it mattered to some players especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I no, think well, with, with... That's the thing. That's the big distinction here. You you, you have to very much separate these two from a product for the fans to enjoy from a game that means a significant amount to these players that yeah. are trying to make the team.
3: And, like, it's so funny when, like, even I feel like sports like, media people, fans especially, like, want to go on Facebook and Twitter and all this and be like, ah, oh, preseason game number four, it's too long. Well, you don't got to watch it. I mean, like, if you're, if, if it's your job to watch, then you kind of have to watch it. There's, I mean, we want them to watch it. <laughs> there's, the, there's worse jobs out there. Yeah. But there was plenty of other games last night to check out. I mean, Clemson was playing last night. You know, they're they're ready to make another BCS Bowl they or win. a, a BCS win championship yeah. Yeah, run. So... There's other options out there in case you don't want to, you know, check it out. UCF but got a win last night. UCF Knights, dominated last first, night.
2: First ever victory over FAMU. Yeah. They never beat them until that game. Well, there you go. In three all-time did meetings. Did it in style. Mostly when they were in Division Two back in the day. Did it in style. And I'm did. sure
3: we'll, we'll break down some of those college games here in a little bit. But I want to get on Taven and Bryan. Yeah, let's do you it. You know, I think a lot of people tuned in to see what Taven and Bryan was going to do. Because this has kind of been the biggest story of training camp. This is a guy who... Has been getting chastised a lot in the media. Um, Fair or not fair, I think it's up for debate. Um, He hasn't performed to the best of his abilities. He hasn't performed, I think, a first-round draft pick. I mean, that goes without saying. So the fact that he was in there late in the game uh, last night was kind of telling what the coaching staff thinks about him, too. You know, they're they're not happy. Anytime you're a a first-round pick from last year and you're in the fourth preseason game playing big-time minutes – that means that you're not doing something right. And I think last night, you know, Taven Bryan had a sack. So that was good to see. Um, he had a couple plays where he engaged the tackle or the guard and threw the guy off, sh- was shutting the blocks, which I think he's probably had the biggest problem so far in this preseason is getting off blockers. And so you saw some highlights there. Probably should have had at least one or two more sacks. There was one play, and I get it. The Atlanta quarterback was mobile last night. Yep, He had some wheels. Edling's a different kind of dude. He's a different kind of dude, but at the same time, you have to make that play in the backfield. Sure, You can't let him escape. So, you know, going forward now, um, does he get confidence from that game? I mean, I think so. You know, anytime you put a sack in the stat column, you're to have some kind of confidence going into the regular season. Um, how much playing time he'll get, we'll see as well. You know, I mean, this is a guy who was going to make the team regardless, but I'll be honest with you. I thought Day- Dayton Jones played better than Taven Bryan. But it's just the fact and it's kind of the politics where if you cut Taven Bryan, you're taking that big cap hit, and you just really can't afford that, especially with having to play like Jan coming up here and other players. So I think Taven Bryan did an okay job. Thought he could did better last night,
2: but we'll see. And that's the thing is that, a lot of people will kind of use that comparison because people like Dayton Jones. He's very personable, as we both have realized in interviews. Uh, I talked to him after the game on the field yesterday mm-hmm. and, you know, asked him about what it's going to be like to perform with this team. And it, it's kind of one of those things where now you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, we had we had this nice conversation about getting to be part of this great defense and to be getting to be in that room and to contribute to this team and what they can do. And. And he was genuinely fired up about it. So uh, shout out, by the way, to Dayton Jones for being a consummate professional. He was great. Oh, uh, without a doubt, terrific. man. I mean, obviously w- he's been through the ringer a couple of yeah. times. He's been in the league long enough yeah. to kind of to kind of get it. You know, yeah, he gets it. Um, Absolutely. You know, obviously I've reached out
3: to him. We had a good conversation. He, he's, you know, all things considered, he's in a pretty good state of mind right now. He's confident he's going to play again. And, dude, he actually he, he made me feel old. Because in closing of our conversation, I don't want to detail too much, but he called me big bro. And it's funny, yeah. like w- w- when you're doing this job, though, Stuart, yeah. I think sometimes, especially with him, he, the guy seems so mature. You know, like the, the guy seems like, and he has been around for a while, but, he, you know, it seems like you're talking to like a 35, 36-year-old dude. And come to find out, I'm the big bro. I'm older than he is. So that, that kind of, you know, threw me off a little bit. But yeah, it's kind of like I said, Jacksonville could bring him back. I think I'm not sure what the contract stipulated. Wouldn't be surprised if they actually do bring him back for maybe a cheaper price. But I think this is a guy, all things considered, who can play a multiple, um, you know, spotted positions here. He should get another shot someplace if it's not
2: Jacksonville. I feel that way all the time by the way when I'm interviewing like it's trippy professionals cuz I'm I'm older than 95% of this NFL it's roster. It's trippy. Yeah. It, is, it can be very trippy. Yeah. I completely agree. One because I'm definitely smaller than all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh so that generally makes you feel younger just by the virtue of it. Yeah. Uh but that's always a funny part of it. But uh to get back to what we were talking about with with Taven Brian and I brought up Dayton Jones because of the fact that fans will be like, "Well, look, this is a guy playing a similar position, who went out there, produced, and had results, and that's only going to hurt Taven Bryan as far as that public perception goes, as far as his ability to improve and get better. But you have to think the coaching staff is looking at it differently because obviously, like you said, they got to keep him. First-round pick from a year ago for yeah. financial reasons and other reasons as well. And I'm sure they see the you know the upside and the the ceiling mm-hmm. uh, that they don't think he's reached yet. But for for them, it's got to be about doing better than Taven Bryan yesterday was, doing better than Taven Bryan was in the game before, and continuing that upward trend. And now he's going to have less opportunities to shine. But when you do get that chance, and when you do get rotated in, because it is that that rare position where you're not necessarily a backup as much as. You're part of the rotation. You're going to get a chance to go out there and make a play because you're always, you know, swirling through the fresh bodies and getting new guys in there. So – If there is a position to be like that and to want to be able to go out there and prove more, I feel like defensive line is one of the best positions to have that opportunity to still go out there and make a difference at some point.
3: Without a doubt. You know, I mean, that's like the ultimate position where if you put the good film out there, um, there's always a demand for good defensive line. So it's like we talked about with Dayton Jones. He shouldn't have a problem making another roster, if not now, uh, before week one, at least some way through the season, because there's always injuries in the NFL. Uh, Another guy that kind of stood out to me not necessarily for all the right reasons, was Tyree Brady, wide receiver. And this was a guy who, you know, we've been kind of talking a lot about because that wide receiver, you know, that that last guy to make the roster, it was kind of a competition we know now Terrell Pryor. Not going to be on the team. Terrell Pryor was cut from the
2: Jaguars. Didn't even play um, in the fourth preseason game. Didn't play in the fourth the preseason. From the third one, yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. So the writing the, the was kind of on the wall there, yep. you know, right? I think his stats prior didn't dictate for him to stay on the team. No pun if intended. He, if he wasn't good. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, wasn't going to dictate that he was going to be on the team, um, you know, with the injuries and things like that. So, you know, if you're, if you're in the cold tub, you're not going to make the team. Just it is what it is. So Terrell Pryor's gone. Well, Tyree Brady last night. And here's the situation. Where there are two things happen with Tyree Brady. The guy got 10 targets last night. You don't see that a lot in any preseason game of one player getting 10 targets. So that means either two things. I wish I got 10 targets on the sideline. Man, I wish I got 10 target 10 targets in high school for a game, man. <laughs> like jeez. Double so, double digits. Yeah. That either means two things to me. Yep. Number 1, it means that the Jaguars like him a lot and they're trying to get him some shine. They're they're trying to get him confident in order to contribute when the regular season starts, or number 2, it means that they're probably not going to keep him, and they're trying to showcase him off for 31 other teams in the NFL, trying to get him all those targets, so there, if they need to trade him, they can. And after last night, I'm not sure what you can really do with him now, because this is guy, he had 10 targets, like I said, but four drops, and one drop ball in a preseason game isn't a good look, let alone four drop balls, so... I'm not sure what the plan is right now. I don't think they ever really released anything yet regarding yeah. Tyree Brady, but I think he's kind of outside looking in right now to make that Jaguars team.
2: Yeah, most of the cuts will officially come tomorrow. They, they officially put them out on Saturday usually is kind of that, that timeline for the Jaguars to do that. So I actually spoke with Tyree before and after the game. We'll get to after the game in just a second, but – before the game, it was it was a good conversation with him, and he was excited about getting a chance to be in man coverage as much as possible because he said, hey, put me in man coverage, let me go out there, shine, let me do what I can do and show these guys why I should be on this team. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, uh, not exactly the showing that – Maybe he was hoping for or the Jacksonville Jaguars were hoping for. I caught up with him after the game in the locker room. Here with Jaguars wide receiver Tyree Brady. Uh, Tyree, we talked during the week about mm-hmm. the importance of this game. Uh, you could kind of tell from the offense that they were trying to get you those opportunities. Mm-hmm. How do you think you did out there? Uh,
4: you know, I had like two drops on me. You know, uh, one before half, I could have made that play, and the other. You know, it's just some mistakes on Austin, but uh, overall.
2: Mm-hmm. Now that you had a chance to kind of play in yeah. that, that fourth game environment where you know so much is on the line, what, what was that feeling like? What was it like uh, being out there and knowing so much was on the line?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was just football at the end of the day. You know, you just got to always make your plays count. So, I mean, that's football no matter what situation.
2: Over the course of this whole preseason, are you happy with kind of everything you put on tape and been able to, to show this coaching staff and the entire NFL? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm happy with what I put on film out here. You know, I put on film a lot of things and I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. All right. That is Tyree Brady, Jaguars wide receiver. Yeah. All right. So that was the conversation with Tyree after the game. So I'll ask you this. Austin, does he make the team?
3: I don't think so. You know, uh, and I think you can kind of tell in the interview a little bit. He knew he had a rough game. Um, practice squad perhaps but i don't see him making the team i don't think especially after last night and listen it's funny because we talk about how preseason game four doesn't matter right Yep. we say ah it's more for special teams guys and that's about it yep well i think if you have 10 targets and four drops that can cost you so i I don't think so your opinion
2: i would agree i would would go along the same lines and i would have to think that things are looking good for a guy like cj board absolutely who's the opposite way he didn't get hardly any action in the game i saw him on the sideline a lot just holding his helmet ready to go in if he had to but uh kind of giving off that sense that maybe the team already knew what they had in cj board and they were happy with that so they wouldn't have to worry about it ha- wouldn't have to put him out there and put him in these situations to see what he could do uh gardner Minshew was effusive in his praise about cj board uh, in our production meetings earlier this week uh just really liking the skills he possess his ability to take the top off a of defense and just go so uh cj board maybe on the good side tyree brady maybe on the bad side all these cuts will come over the next 24 48 hours or so everything will be revealed and we'll have a 53 man roster for now yeah who knows what happens with the other 31 teams because then maybe you pluck a couple guys and swap them out for the guys that Earn spots in this game so uh it's really a, a part of the roster that's very much in flux for this time of year tay hayes it's just been announced that tay hayes has been released a guy that had an interception in the
3: preseason um was kind of on the, you know that the bubble spot to make the corner position tay hayes is now gone also there's some jake ryan news coming up from ian rap report we should probably get o- go over uh during the next segment of what it kind of means to the jaguars now
2: and that whole linebacking group yeah, we'll talk about that, and we'll actually hear from one of those linebackers, Leon Jacobs. That's coming up next right here on ESPN six ninety.
6: It is disappointing when you go out there on a night like tonight, and you're you're trying to you're trying to pull, you know, for guys to really go out there and play well. Um, and you know, it's a tough situation. And some guys, you know, they rely on other people around them to play well too. You know, so that's always a tough thing to to try to to try to look at and evaluate. But, you know, I mean, from you know, not keeping the quarterback in the pocket to giving up runs to, you know, giving up big plays on third down to not creating plays on offense to dropping the football. Um, it, it's not good enough. As the Jaguars
2: head coach, Doug Marone speaking after a 31 to 12 loss to the Atlanta Falcons to wrap up the 2019 preseason. Thankfully. It's over. Mm-hmm. Stuart Weber here along with Austin Lane on ESPN 690. Plenty of Jaguars discussion. One final day to talk about the preseason before on Monday. It's time to start talking about the regular season. Yeah, unfortunately, Monday we're not going to be here because it is Labor Day. Oh, yeah, Labor people have day. Mondays off. Yeah. I, remember we talked about this
3: yesterday? Hey, I was all for coming in here, man. I want to talk wrestling. Yeah. We can break down the Chiefs a little bit.
2: Yeah. I was all for it. Yeah. But.
5: And depending on how it goes, I mean, it might not be till like, Thursday.
2: That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as folks surely know, uh, there is a storm coming mm-hmm. um, heading its way towards the state of Florida, uh, Hurricane Dorian. And uh, we'll certainly have a, another update on that like we did yesterday. I don't know if we'll get both Bachman and Burrish for a little tag team action, a little 2v2 match. Who do you got there, by the way, Austin? You and me versus Bachman and Burrish. In what? Tag team. In what? In wrestling, obviously. Oh, come on. What do you mean, come in on? What?
3: Well, I don't know. You talking about two-on-two two basketball. I don't know weather, what you're talking about, in man. Any, in any hey, sport, dude. How about in oh, any dude. sport. <laughs>
2: That's what I'm saying, man. And what? That's it how confident I am. Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter I, yeah. in what. I don't know. Maybe like
3: professional. Playing,
2: I don't know. Professional
3: newscasting. They playing playing be us. Uno, they might beat me because the, it's the kind of you know the draw of the cards. But okay. anything physical, I like my chances. Just All right. saying. All right, me too. And, and I, I get you're it. Burge is, a, Burge is a Midwest guy. You know, he's They both are. Yeah, they both are. They're both
2: big Hawkeye fans. Don't don't ever
3: knock the you know that whole Midwest culture. I was born sure. in it i was raised in it i oh, was yeah. enshrined in it yeah so i respect it but size and athleticism seems to be in my favor with all due respect to burge why did that feel Bachmann. like
5: like the speech bane gives batman at one point
3: <laughs> hey i'm not gonna lie that's where i got it from actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the lights go out i yeah, was born in it. i was it. born in it yeah molded by it i didn't see the lights till i was a man at that time it was blinding yeah Maybe maybe Bane should do the the happy hour horn today. We'll as, see what we'll it I like that. I like that a we'll lot. We'll see what
2: happens, man. Really test my range a little bit. I'm. I will be listening in for that. Okay, check it out. Yeah, I definitely will. Uh, as much men- as I was saying though, those guys will probably pop up and give us a little uh, update on what's happening in the area. Our action news Jack's uh, timeout. I don't know yeah. what Brent calls that. He's got a fancy name for it.
5: TV timeout. TV, TV timeout.
2: timeout. There it is. I knew I was I was in the ballpark. Uh, To use another sports euphemism. Anyhow, uh, so we will not talk about Hurricane Dorian for a minute, even though uh, it's coming. And it will affect our schedule next week for our listeners. So uh, you'll get some ESPN national programming definitely on Monday. Yeah, just kind of stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, just stay on the social media channels. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere we'll have all those updates. Kuz will be bagging sand and putting it outside buildings to keep them from flooding so
5: i was supposed to do that today yeah you were weren't you i feel horrible you should like it's everyone's like hey we're all pitching in and i'm almost like yeah well i got you know i'm interviewing a uh an artist so you guys go do that and i'll catch up afterwards and the interview went long and then i'm like seeing like everybody in the building was out there doing it and i was just like nice
3: do you guys got all your water taken care of nah because we do at the lane house Kind of upset me a little bit.
5: Did you go? Did you go fight? I'm people about to home? get
3: a phone call. No, I'm about to get a phone call though. If I talk any more bad about my wife, uh, no, because we, you know, I mean, we have like a giant filtration, like um, what do you call it? It's not like a thermos, Brita? but it, yeah, it's a Brita, but it's like a giant one. It, it can hold like three gallons. Nice. Okay. Things like heavy duty. Yeah. So we have that. And then we made it a habit to go on Amazon.com, pick up some water off there. Sure. And then my wife saw um, a sale for water at, I think, Publix, uh, two for seven. So we got two 24 things of water. I have never seen my son drink water his entire life, so I'm not <laughs> worried about him. Um, me, you know, I mean, you see this bad boy here. Yeah, this, is, no, this giant. Is 64 ounces. That's a lot. It can annoy some people, uh, but I think we'll be all right, you know. I mean, if worse comes to worse. We'll just fill up the bathtub tonight, and then we'll just filter that water through the Brita. And we'll be good to go.
2: Now you're talking like a true Floridian. I am, man. You're learning our ways. I, I was I was molded by it, yeah. raised in it. I was raised in it. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in South Florida, so the the prospect of hurricanes and tropical storms is nothing new for me. But I, I know it's very important for people to stay alert, stay safe, have a plan. And watch the news
5: and have the Action Sports Jacks uh, Action News Jacks app.
2: You got that right. Yeah. The news and the weather app. We can get Action Sports uh, Action
3: Sports Jacks app. We could. We well, could well, make it work. Well, if we get work. that,
2: then we have to populate it. We have, we have work? to do work for it. What do you mean we have to do work it's for it? It's not my job. I'm just saying someone should. Well, come up yeah. That, yeah, you know
5: who that would land on? I was gonna say, <laughs> hey, Coos.
2: It's all good, man. <laughs> whenever someone says, "Well, that's not my job," that's like Coos and me who are the ones who end up having to do that. You in charge of TV TV side. Okay. TV side. I have to populate stuff on the web quite okay. often okay
3: i'm saying this for the radio side
5: you don't understand because then if we have an app they're going to mandate that we have to do a certain amount of stuff on it and yeah, yes that good comes, that comes I like my it. way Cruz,
3: I, i'm trying to push you okay the preseason's <laughs> over now <laughs> it's right, the regular right. season of espn 690 i'm ready we got the nfl season coming up get your mind right all right <laughs>
2: All right. Just kidding, dude. Our mind is right. But I'm not, though. We'll go back to some Jaguars discussion. Well, let's, let's get into some cuts talk, here and everything. Yeah, let's talk, uh, talk a few of the names that have come down on the Twitter. So none of these officially official, but at this point, per league sources, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these have come down, uh, including offensive lineman Josh Wells, uh, who's been with the team for quite a bit, uh, played a lot yesterday, and we were wondering if he was one of those guys kind of on that roster bubble, and it seems... Yes, and the bubble bursts. Running back Thomas Rawls, is another one of those guys. And linebacker Rameek Wilson. Uh, so the linebacking position is one that we have watched quite a bit because of injuries. And obviously because of Telvin Smith not being here, it leaves open a very large hole. And uh, the Jaguars have been trying to find a way to to fill up that, that position group. Yeah. And some extra news that came down that you've got on Jake Ryan – uh, certainly does not help that cause either.
3: Uh, thanks for setting me up here. I got to it right now. Ian Rappaport reporting that Jaguars are expected to place linebacker Jake Ryan on reserve slash NFL, I'm sorry, on, on reserve, um, according to an NFL source. So what that means basically is I think he's going to be out the first six games now.
2: And at, a, what, at a minimum,
3: yeah. Yeah. And what I was, what I kind of read in this article is that it's the non-football reserve, right? Like yeah, non football injury, NFI. Yeah. Which I don't really understand because so he got hurt in Green Bay. He's doing the rehab. He comes to Jacksonville. What I guess I assume
2: is that Jake Ryan hurt himself with the rehab portion. So that goes on the non football list? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing because it wasn't at a practice or a game that okay. it might it might get classified that way. I don't I don't. And, 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 and who knows? He, he right. may have hurt himself on a boat Correct. fishing. Like we, we don't know
3: the exact details. But I just assumed when that story came out because he said like you know he made some
2: setbacks. It was from his rehab. And purpose. I don't I don't know the exact uh, way you have to word things, but perhaps rehab stuff and maybe weight room stuff, maybe things like that can be qualified as non-football injuries because yeah. it's not football. Yeah.
3: And, you know, Jake Ryan's a guy who played in that Dom Capers defense in Green Bay. Uh, I think he was coming in here to kind of push for some time at a a linebacking spot, probably the inside linebacker, depending on if they ran a three, four or not. Now he's kind of behind the eight ball a little bit going to be, out, I think, for the first six games at least. So not a good time in Jacksonville so far for Mr. Jake Ryan.
2: Yeah, and if you're looking at a position where this team might be looking at those waiver wires in, in different places, I mean, shoot, that's what they did in the summertime is anytime anybody popped up on the waiver wire who was a linebacker, the Jacksonville Jaguars went and picked that person up. Yeah. Uh, and here we are at this point, and we'll see what happens uh, moving forward in that linebacking position.
3: Well, and speaking of that waiver wire, a guy that's just uh, been added to it from the Oakland Raiders, uh, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, tight end Luke Wilson. And Luke Wilson uh, is going into his seventh year now, spent five years in Seattle, spent last season with Detroit, now in Oakland, just released. To me, Luke Wilson's a, a little intriguing. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he's had 11 touchdowns in his career, uh, obviously playing in Seattle, played behind Jimmy Graham a little bit. So it was kind of the the two tight end when Jimmy Graham wasn't hurt. Uh, play, has played in a lot of games. Um, I think the injury history is not really that... Um, exponential i mean you look at his uh, the uh, 2016 he only played in 11 games everything else it's been 14 15 16 so that's intriguing um if you know Luke Wilson he's the guy from Canada that's been featured in hard knocks a couple of times seems like the cameras really loved Luke Wilson so i'm curious to see if he's worth going after You know, I mean, we don't know right now where Josh Oliver stands. Is he going to be ready week one against the Kansas City Chiefs? Is Jeff Swam going to be ready week one uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs? Right now we have James O'Shaughnessy and Ben Koyak, and those are your two starting tight ends. So we'll see what happens there. I think Luke Wilson is at least an intriguing prospect because all things considered, I'd probably take Luke Wilson over O'Shaughnessy or Koyak right now.
2: Let's circle back now to uh, Leon Jacobs. Had a chance to talk with the Jaguars linebacker after the game yesterday. His thoughts on preseason game number four. Here with Jaguars linebacker Leon Jacobs. Got to play a lot tonight. Uh, How helpful is that for you? A lot of the guys who are playing tonight fighting for roster spots mm-hmm. i feel pretty confident that you're one of those guys that that has a solid place on this team mm-hmm. and we're able to get a lot of good work a lot of good effort and a yeah. lot of stuff that can kind of help you get better down the road
4: yeah i think today was good just getting my confidence up i um, the obviously ended last year getting hurt so the past four games you know just been trying to get back to where i was last year and i was able to rush some some downs today too so it was good
2: I did see that. You got the flash in the backfield a little bit. Was that fun? Did you enjoy that that kind of uh, part of the, the job where you got to get after the QB a little bit?
4: Oh, yeah. Um, I did that in college, too. So, you know, just to be able to do it on this stage is a blessing. I think the coaches for letting me do that.
2: So. I know the, the linebacking position is one that we've kind of kept an eye on just with the different injuries that have occurred. How do mm-hmm. you kind of assess your group as you guys head into the game against Kansas City?
4: Yeah, I think... Um Obviously the cliche thing is one, one man goes down and the man comes up. They not just a good job. You know, when Q went down, he assumed that will row. And then Miles did a good job being in leadership. You know, with Telvin out this year, he's got the group together and everybody's just been doing their part.
2: You hate to, to look at it as a positive, but it can be turned into a positive if if you look at it that way to mm-hmm. where some of these younger guys were, were able to get some of that seasoning because of the injuries and mm-hmm. because of the fact that Miles was really limited to the one game.
4: Yeah, uh, I thought um, Joe did a good job, you know, Connor, Rameek, DJ. And obviously they're not young guys, but, you know, they said that was their first year in the system. They did a pretty good job.
2: And I'll leave you with this. Uh, Where's the excitement level at now that now that you guys can move on mm-hmm. into the ones that uh, that start to count the the real NFL games starting with the Chiefs?
4: Oh, it's really exciting, you know, to get the best one of the best offenses
2: in the NFL. You know, and they're coming to your house. It's gonna be a good game. All right, that is Leon Jacobs, Jaguars linebacker. Thank you. So, Leon, interesting there talking a little bit about how he was excited about getting to rush the quarterback some.
3: Oh yeah. Because
2: some of those different
3: looks. Because, you know, 3-4 defense. We've yeah. been talking about it for a while now. Mm. Yeah, the fact, and we kind of teased this a little bit yesterday, and depending on how much Leon Jacobs played in preseason game number four, I think kind of shows, number one, how much confidence they have in Josh Allen, and number two, the type of defense that they're going to run going forward now. And, you know, Leon Jacobs, I think, played into the, I mean, for the first half for sure. I'm not sure he played in the third quarter or not. I don't really see his name a lot. But um, I think, you know, I think they like Josh Allen right now at that strong side spot. And Leon Jacobs, last year rookie from the Wisconsin Badgers, a late round draft pick, uh, is kind of now on the outside looking in a little bit, playing in his uh, preseason
2: game number four. So it's kind of telling where the defense is going from here. All right. That was Leon Jacobs and a good amount of Jaguars talk there. More Jaguars talk uh, coming up in the next hour, but yeah. without me. I will be leaving.
3: Yeah, we'll be joined by Cecil Shorts here in a, in a couple minutes to talk about his uh, Justin Blackman um, story that he wrote. But we can hear you tonight cover yeah. some high school football.
2: That's right. We'll uh, we'll have the the broadcast for our game of the week. It's Yuli at Fernandina Beach. Hornets. Pirates. Head-to-head. Nassau County. Battle. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and myself will be calling that game tonight, 7 o'clock. Right here on ESPN 690. Hope you guys can join us for that. And the Friday Night Blitz at 1030 on Fox 30. But Marcel Robinson's coming in next. He will join you for the next hour yep. as I drive in traffic and storms. So. Good luck, man. Stay safe, stay dry, and stay casual. All right. All right that's the plan. All right. ESPN 690. We'll be right back.
3: Welcome back to ESPN 690. i part of the conversation. Feel free to chime in here at Star Star 690. We talk some Jaguars, bigger picture things in the NFL, or uh, maybe some wrestling. We got some wrestling around this weekend, too. Also, check us out on our platforms We're on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Mixer. I think I nailed them all. Because I miss Facebook. one. I always miss one. I Facebook say. it is. The low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit, (laughs) the easiest one. My first uh, glimpse of
7: social media,
3: and I missed it. It's brand new and all, you know.
7: Yeah,
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been around for, I don't know, since I was in high school. It is what it is. But speaking of conversation, we're joined now by a gentleman who Jaguars fans should remember, six-year NFL vet with the Texans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and of course, your Jacksonville Jaguars, Mr. Cecil Short. Cecil, what's going on, man?
8: What's up, fellas? How y'all doing today?
3: doing good and also we're joined by action sports jacks marcel robinson who took it upon himself
7: to be part of this interview today absolutely that's my guy mount Eugen in the house what's up
8: <laughs> what's up brother <laughs> hey are
7: you still Oklahoma city fan I, I am. I am.
8: I am. I was just checking. I was just checking. I know a lot is going on in the last four or five months. So I just wanted to make sure you were still loyal to your team.
7: You know, you've always been my basketball guy, and I've always remembered the basketball toss we had. But this is one of those uh, times when we are not going to discuss the uh, current state of the <laughs> NBA, given the lack of success. Hey, so
3: CISO, who's going to have the, the better record this year, the Cavs or the Thunder?
8: Oh, wow. We might die for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is not going the way I expected it to go.
3: <laughs> Fair enough, man. Anyway, we, 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 can, we always talk basketball to you, but the reason we're having you today is that you actually just posted an article on ProStyleMedia.com titled, The Greatest Catch I've Ever Seen, um, Hashtag Storytime with Cecil. And basically Ooh. what this story was about was Justin Blackman, former Jacksonville Jaguar, for, former first-round pick. And... um. You know, for those people that haven't read it, it, kind of just gives you a kind of an idea of the special talent that Blackman was, number one, but also kind of some of those demons that he was fighting. What inspired you to write this article now?
8: Um, oh, man, well, a guy named Earl Bennett, a former receiver in the league, um, that's his website, and um, he reached out to me like, hey, I'm having former players, you know, just kind of tell stories. You can tell whatever story you want to tell and use this platform to, to you know, to tell the story or whatnot. So I'm like, okay, I, I, w- I would love to. There's tons of, you know, all, all, every former player has great stories. <laughs>
9: exactly.
8: <laughs> uh, good, bad, or whatever, something you can't tell. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> I was, uh, when he asked me that, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, what what is, you know, what is something I want to share? And Blackman uh, came to mind. And, and there's tons of things I, I can't say. Um, I was even nervous about putting this out. because I didn't want to make it seem like I was uh, bashing him or anything. I wasn't yeah. trying to do that at all. I was just trying to explain, you know, for one, how talented he was. Um, number two, I kind of, I hope I made it clear, like how tight we were, uh, me and him, his his relationship, all the receivers in that room, how much we had love for each other. We would literally do everything together, mm-hmm. and um, you know, to see him uh, struggle behind the scenes with certain stuff. And then, you know, another thing too, I saw Josh Gordon come back. Um, not too long ago, I think last week it was it where he got reinstated mm-hmm. and that, that kind of helped me like, yeah, I really, I really got to talk about this because this is something that people don't understand. We're just regular people. Yeah. Like we are, we are the same. If you look in the mirror, we look in the mirror the same way. If you tie your shoes, we tie your, our shoes the same way. We're just normal people that have to be good at a, at a particular sport. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's football for us, and 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 we get put on this in this in this fishbowl, and if you make a mistake, it's like, oh my gosh, you're the worst person ever! Boom, 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 boom. But guess what? Most likely, you made a mistake in your life too. <laughs> it's just you're not in that fishbowl. And for for me, it's like I, I love black Blackman to death, and um, you know, I, I just wanted to tell that story. I, I thought it was a pretty cool story to tell, honestly. It, and, it was um, it was a yeah.
3: fantastic story, yeah. <laughs>
8: and I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I don't know. I, I literally—that's the best catch I've ever seen in person. Like it was—it's was hard to explain, but he literally jumped up like a foot over the dang on goalpost and snagged it and came down intoxicated. <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> yeah, it's,
8: it's crazy.
3: So before we get yeah. into that whole story there, Cecil and I find myself sometimes on sports radio, kind of having. You know this this term too as well where you know there's always the old school philosophy of an nfl player where it's like what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room uh did you feel a lot of hesitation to really tell this story because i mean you're really you know peeling back the curtain on some pretty serious stuff here and especially you know kind of putting your teammate out there in the in the limelight i mean was there a lot of hesitation to this or did you just feel like you wanted to release this as a way um for nfl players to better relate to other
8: people yeah. I struggle, I struggle. I, I wrote it and then I deleted it. And then I wrote it again. And I'm like, I told Earl, like, Earl, I don't know if I want to do this. Like I, I don't know if I want to mention his name. Cause I wrote one, I wrote one. Uh, the first one I wrote, I wrote and I didn't mention his name, but it wasn't coming off right. And I'm not, I'm not an experienced writer yet. So I'm still working on that. Um, and then I wrote it again. I'm like, just forget it. Like I, th- this is the truth. I, I still held some things back um but this is a story that I feel like people need to hear and people need to understand like you know what he battled with is not who he is but that that's 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 real life like we all battle with something whether it's it's you know alcohol or drugs or eating too much whatever the case may be we all battle with something and for him that's just what it was I saw it firsthand so I thought it was a story I needed to share and um yeah man but it was it was a battle I, I didn't know until the last minute like if, if I really wanted to do this <laughs>
7: hey cecil so, so, do you feel that Say writing this particular article because obviously, and you kind of alluded to yourself that a lot of times people on the outside tend to look at football players as just football players as opposed to people, and uh, knowing that they have you know certain battles and, and struggles with dealing with certain things, just as much as you know anyone who's not a football player. Do you feel that maybe potentially something like this coming out and and displaying this level of you know minor transparency will kind of uh, one of two things: one, uh, kind of have people on the outside kind of look at it saying, you know, to to understand that they're sort of normal people and also for players even to kind of get wind of this and to, to be able to really kind of take, you know, control of their own, you know, not necessarily just mental health, but any battles they're dealing with, because we've got a lot of guys, you know, Andrew Luck, obviously retired, t- putting his health first. Yeah. And even here we have somebody like Tobin yeah. Smith, you know, really taking yeah. a, a, uh, you know, control of his life.
8: Yeah. I, I hope so, man. I think, I think our health mentally, physically, Um, emotionally, it needs to come first. And as a football player in Austin, you know, you're like grinding 24-7. Like, this is Mm -hmm. your dream you're trying to reach, and you're putting everything you can into this. And you push yourself past limits. We're probably not supposed to push ourselves past, or, you know, push ourselves (laughs) Um, to to be honest. And it's it's grueling. It's grueling not only uh, physically but mentally. And, And it can really mess you up in the head and lead you to do things like drugs, like alcohol, like other things that can, you know, lead you to things you should probably you most likely shouldn't be doing or make or make those things dependent. Um so I think I'm hoping this can open up, you know, um the fans eyes, open up other players' eyes. Like listen, we gotta take care of ourselves first. You know what I mean? I think we really need to take care of ourselves first. We, we we're we get so caught up in um you know, I guess making money or, or living this dream and being this certain type of person where we're we're putting ourselves kind of last we are trying to take care of other people and do this stuff like we need to take care of ourselves or our health like we play football for a small part of our lives, say you play twelve years, that's awesome, but after that twelve years, you have so much life to live, and if you're not taking care of yourself within that twelve years, it's gonna be hard. You put yourself in a bad position once you retire or once you have to uh, you know are done playing, so hopefully this will open some eyes up for a lot of people.
3: Speaking with former Jacksonville Jaguar Cecil Shorts, the article is called The Greatest Catch I've Ever Seen, um, a story with Justin Blackman. So, Cecil, I knew Blackman for two years, you know, and then this was a guy who was probably the best receiver in college football in 2012, comes in, mm-hmm. was, was was the fifth pick of the NFL draft and i remember when i first met him i was immediately drawn towards the guy because he didn't have that typical wide receiver nfl mentality right i think this was a guy who was humble um it almost seemed like you know he didn't he he wasn't aware exactly of how great or special he was you know he was kind of just like an everyday guy you'd see on the street and i was drawn towards that you know and and i remember having a lot of conversations with blackman and now like looking back on it like i i wonder if that was more of his personality trait where maybe he wasn't really in the, the, the spotlight you know he didn't really care about all the numbers or if that was more of just maybe the disease that he was suffering with you know his, his addiction to alcohol and things like that like what i mean you you probably mm-hmm. know the guy better than anybody in that locker room what, what did you kind of gauge from his personality and the way that he approached his craft
8: wow that, that's a that's a that's an interesting point you just made um yeah I, I mean he was a guy i think everybody loved i mean he was he was if you if he didn't play football like so example if you didn't know football you just saw him on the street you wouldn't think that you think it was a normal person he walked around in crocs every day <laughs> basketball shorts and he ate pizza every day so that's, just, that's, just what it, that's just him he didn't want the spotlight he just was really good and to me he honestly i think he's the best receiver i've been around he's just that he's that naturally good Like I played with Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. I played with DeAndre Hopkins, who right now is probably one of the best receivers in the league. Like I I played with those guys, and I played with Justin Black, and his talent all around is probably better than both of those guys. He he was that special. To answer your question, or 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 to comment on what you said about is that you know was that him as far as you know was that him battling his disease? I, I think that was him. I think he was just a down to earth guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest, he was around us a lot. He was around the players in the locker room, he was around the receivers when we, you know, went out to eat or play basketball, whatever the case may be. Um, he was fine around us. Like there was no issues around us for the most part. It was when he was by himself that he battled with whatever he battled with, with the alcohol, with the drugs, whatever the case may be. It was when he was around his certain he lived with a young man, um I c I can't think of the guy's name, that we always questioned, like, you know, like why are you around? (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, I mean, what are you what are you doing here? Like why, why are you always with him? And um, we couldn't figure it out, but he was always with him. And but he never had Blackman's best interest in hand, if that yeah. makes sense. He I, never I, held Blackman accountable. He never made sure he wasn't driving when he was drinking. He never made sure that he was okay. Um, and 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 we couldn't figure out like why is he like this around him, but around us he's fine. Mm -hmm. So it it was it was a tough battle for us, man Like we trying to figure out exactly what to do because we knew and guys in the team Like he's bad with some stuff, but it's like what do you do about it? Like how do you go handle this? So it it was was tough man
3: So when we you said he's a special receiver and probably the most special you've ever seen um, Or or, you know as far as being a teammate of and you know, Mm -hmm. I, I played in Detroit with Calvin Johnson for five, six games, and you know, Kelvin Johnson left me in awe, but if you looked at Kelvin Johnson, you understood why. Like, I mean, he, he had the physique, you know, he had these long arms. I mean, if you saw Justin Black, when you saw his physique, I mean, this wasn't necessarily really a weight room warrior, right? But as soon as, as soon, I mean, being truthful, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, if, if you saw him on the oh, beach, you, you wouldn't think, like, oh, this is a certified, bona fide NFL wide receiver. You know, like he, <laughs> he, he wasn't cut or anything like that, but as soon as he got on the field, th- that all clicked. And see, so you know better than anybody, man. You played the position. What was it that made Justin Blackman so special as a receiver in terms of just his physical gifts, or what was it exactly?
8: Uh, He had a knack to get open, man. He understood. It's some people that, you know, they work hard as heck to get where they are, and there's some people that just got just blessed with the ability to play a game, and I think Blackman was one of those guys that just, he was just blessed with the ability to play this game at a high level. And um, he his his ability to – because, I mean, I'll never forget when we first drafted him in 2012 he comes to practice, I'm like, he don't look that good. I'm like, <laughs> he him himself, I'm like, Sizing uh, him he up. doesn't look that good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I had to. I was the last guy in the depth chart. I'm like, <laughs> okay, fair, fair. So I'm like, you know, I, I, I got to fight. I got to right. fight for my spot. Right. And uh, I'm like, he, he all right. You know what I mean? He's he decent. And then come week one of preseason, I'm like, oh. Wow. Okay. You you see like he he turns it on. He he's a gamer. Um. He he's fast on the field. He has incredible hands. The way he controls his body. Um. He understands how to get open. Where, where, where the right spot to be. in. even as a rookie, he had like 900 yards as a rookie. He, he, he yeah. he's a special type of guy, man. That like he meant like he mentioned. If you looked at him, you ain't gonna think nothing of him. You wouldn't think he's he's that special or that you know like okay all right that's oh that's Justin Blackman. Like, like he's not he's no compared to Calvin Johnson when it comes to. You know the the look or the the stature, <laughs> what you see, the long Yeah, arms or yeah,
7: stature. yeah the stature,
8: yeah. But when you put them pads on, you play the game and you turn the lights on and, and it's time to go. Oh, he he's, he's going to show up. He's going to show out.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, See, someone asked you one question about that. You kind of alluded to it, like when the lights come on, he was a different person. Do you feel you've always been you know a, a down to earth kind of guy, fairly transparent with us? But do you feel that? Uh, there's a certain struggle for NFL players in terms of kind of flipping that switch because when you're when you're around us versus when you're around you know your own people and when you come on the game you're essentially you know three different people and, and you know just like any person you know I would imagine that it's very difficult to kind of juggle and balance you know those three different identities um, properly.
8: Yeah, you know I think I think that's the struggle that a lot of guys deal with. I think I think I think that can be a, a tribute to mental illness as well because. You're trying to be somebody to the media. You're trying to be somebody around your teammates. You're trying to be somebody in the game. You're trying to be somebody around your family. That's like four different people you're trying to be. Mm-hmm. Whether is and then if you just focus on being you, no matter what the situation is, you'll be fine. But that's so hard because you're taught, okay, in the media, don't say this, don't say this, don't say this. In the game, you know that's whoever you are in the game. You know around your teammates. You might be trying to fit in, or you might, you know, whatever the case may be. At home, okay, you got to take care of this. You got to take care of that. You got to make sure my mom's, easy. make sure my sister's okay. pay my brothers through school. It's just so much that goes on, you kind of lose yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, when I retired, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know who I was at first. I got injured out of football. I tore everything in my knee, and I'm like, okay. Now I'm thinking, all right, who am I? I would watch TV like, oh, I'm, I would – I would watch TV and be like, okay, why why can't I go to the All-Star Game and people recognize me? Like, the fame is addicting. Having people want – having people, for me, it was having people know who I was. That was addicting. I was never a superstar, right? I was a decent player. But coming from a small school, it was awesome to have somebody recognize who you were. And I lost myself because I was trying to be somebody that necessarily wasn't. Just simply just be you, Cecil. Just have fun. Laugh. Joke. Talk about basketball. Talk about all your kids that you got. (laughs) <laughs> like, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I was, you know, I kind of lost myself. And I think a lot of guys, if we're honest, we lose ourselves at times. We're trying to be so many different people. We need to be ourselves. See,
3: so then you kind of brought it up a little bit, and I, I kind of share your same philosophy here. You know, I mean, I came from Murray State, uh, you know, a yep. small Division One school. You came from D three, you know, Mountain Union, um, probably the second best football conference in uh, in D three, set aside from the WIAC. <laughs> but uh, just saying. <laughs>
8: Wait a second. Wait. A- I know you from Wisconsin and all. But-
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing, man. I'm just messing, man. But um, but yeah, I mean, so the the transition for you, you know, and this is kind of this kind of gets on a bigger topic a little bit i mean how confident were you when you came from a a small d3 program going to the nfl like were there things in place to help you flourish mentally um you know i guess in in your own headspace because what i encountered and i'm not sure because you know you obviously uh, came in a little after i did but i remember like i remember being a fifth round pick I remember going to the rookie symposium, you know, and like the rookie symposium is kind of like your first taste of what they give you as far as tools to use for mental health, um, for f- financial things. Um, it's just basically like a whole thing of how to be an NFL player. And I remember sitting there with my, uh, teammate, Deji Kareem. And I turned to him and looked, and they're talking about like what to do three, four years down the line, as in terms of investing money and, you know, for your 401k. And I remember I turned to Deji Kareem and I just asked, I told him, like, listen, this is great and everything, I'm just trying to make a football team right now. I don't have time to worry about my future. I don't have time to, you know, really worry about the, the outlets for mental health and everything because I'm just trying to make a football team. You know, like this is the springtime. We're starting training camp pretty soon, and I'm kind of in over my head. Did you kind of feel that same way, Cecil, or did the symposium kind of have a different outlook for you?
8: Oh, no. Oh, see, I feel the exact same way you felt. Um, and then for, what was worse is I came into the lockout year. So the symposium oh, wasn't the symposium wasn't like in set in stone. So at first it's like okay there's gonna be no symposium, then like, okay, no, we're gonna have a symposium. So I couldn't make it out there. So I had no advice on how to handle things financially. I had no advice on what to look for or, or how to handle things mentally. I had no clue coming into this situation in Jacksonville. I just literally showed up the day of camp, like, all right, let's let's do this. And my eyes were wild on my oh my gosh. That right there is Jack DeRio. <laughs> that's Gerard.
9: <laughs> oh, that's Marie Jones. Like, that's crazy.
8: I'm sitting there wide-eyed. And, and like like you mentioned, I'm trying to learn this fat playbook. I'm trying to focus on making the team. Like, I'm trying to focus on doing what I got to do. I'm not worried about everything else. So I wasn't prepared at all. And then even if I was prepared, I'm 22 years old. This guy drafted fourth round. And it, Okay, say, say during the season. You know how during the season they come in. The NFLPA guys, they come in, they talk to you. How many guys are paying attention? Yeah, exactly. How many guys are actually focused on what's going on? You just got done with practice. You're tired. You're ready to go home. You got your mind elsewhere. Most of the veterans, Rasheem Mathis, uh, Brad Meester, Daryl Smith, those guys are, are, are paying attention. They understand, but they've been around long enough. Yeah. For the rookies, for the first year, second year, even third year guys, it's like, yo. I ain't got time to think about that. I got to think about right now. So I think the NFL got to find ways to reach the younger population earlier. If it's pulling them aside, okay, symposium is good. Coming during the season, that's good. You got to be intentional about talking to these younger players. I don't know if it's once a month. I don't. I don't know the answer. If it's, it, can, it can't be once a week. But they have enough money and enough resources to figure out how to reach these guys and reach them ASAP. Because you're wasting our lives. You're wasting our time if you're not trying to go, go over and beyond for us. And it's not going to, it's not going to be an email, an email blast or, or a Twitter or a Twitter. I sound like somebody old right there. <laughs> <laughs>
9: right, there we go. <laughs>
8: <laughs> or you have to sit these guys down and be like, listen, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself financially, mentally, boom, 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 boom. I also think it should be, it, there should be, um, for mental health, Right. When you come into the league, you should go through a test. When you're in the league, you should go through courses. You should go through classes. When you leave the league, you should go through the exact same thing. There should be an open-ended discussion, an open-ended resource for you that's there in the building to make sure you're okay, that that whatever you're battling through, that you can be there, that they can be there for you, they can help you get through it. Because there's guys that, and, and, and maybe it's guys that, all men, whether you play sports or not, you have pride. Oh, I, I can get through this. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, can get, I can figure this out myself. When There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Nothing. Amen nothing wrong with that. that. Absolutely. And, 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 and to be honest, going back to Justin Blackman, Gus Bradley at the time, Dave Caldwell at the time, they did everything they could to be there for Blackman. They, sent, they, they went over and beyond. They, they actually, I, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but they did things they weren't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to do for that man, and I appreciate them and love them so much for that.
3: For his well-being, amen to that. So, uh, unfortunately, so we're kind of behind it right now at the time. I got a couple quick hitters for you, real quick here. um When's the last time that you talked to Justin Blackman? Have you spoke with him recently, or has it been a while now?
8: It's been a while, man. I haven't talked yeah. to him since 2014. Uh, 2014. It's funny because I went to a. I know we're behind, but I went to Gus Bradley's office. He called me in the office. And Justin Blackman was on the phone, and we talked and had like a five, ten-minute conversation, but I haven't talked to him since then. Man, he's been he's been MIA. I know me, Mike Brown, Ace Sanders, a uh, bunch of other receivers on the team, much other guys on the team. We reached out to him, he, he just never never got back to us.
3: Well. Hopefully, you know he's in a good state of mind, and you know obviously setting him some positive vibes and everything like that. Last question for you: You know you're a guy who played on the Houston Texans. I know you have the ear to the ground in Houston a little bit. I'm sure you've been following yeah. the Jaguars and pretty much the entire AFC South in general. Uh, what yeah. is your, what is your prediction now with Andrew Luck uh, choosing to retire from the Colts? I think the, the Houston Texans have kind of a banged up offensive line, um, could be a liability. How do you see the AFC South shaking out, real quick?
8: I think it's wide open right now, honestly. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I've been around uh, the Texans a lot the last uh, two years. Um, I do radio down here, and then I, I went to live training camp practices. I'm I'm in the building. It's uh, it's not a – put it this way. It's a lot going on for a game to be a week away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with, the clowning, with the clowning situation that's going on, um, with the offensive line, you have no idea who your left tackle is and if he's going to be able to play. And then talking about him being on the trade block, it's it just a lot that's going on. Um, so I think it's wide open. I think the Texans may be the slight favorites, um, but I think it's, it's wide open for – because, yes, yes, the Colts lost Andrew Luck, but they're still a good team. Around, they have a good team around Brissett. Yeah. Jacksonville is very improved. That defense line in the, in the preseason looks scary. My gosh, just Josh Allen it looks unreal <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, and then you bring in Nick Foles, and you got a healthy Leonard Burnett. And then Tennessee, you got Derrick Henry, um, that defense that's playing well down there. A lot going to be on Mariota. But I think um, it's going to be a tough, hard fought AFC South this year. I really do.
3: Fair enough. Former Jacksonville Jaguars, Cecil Shorts, now current author. Uh, and the article is called The Greatest Catch I've <laughs> Ever Seen. Story time with Cecil uh, at ProStyleMedia.com. Cecil, man, just, you know, I- I'm proud of you, dude. It-, it's- it was great to read that article. If you haven't checked it out, anybody listening, I definitely guarantee you're not going to be disappointed to check that article out. And um, Cecil, man, you already know what's up. It's always an open-door policy for you, man. Anytime you want to come on the show and just spit a little bit,
7: you're more than welcome to.
8: Hey, I appreciate it, Austin, man. Good good, good, good talking to you, Marcel.
7: Absolutely, man. You uh, take care of the kids and the family, man. Tell them we said, hey, you're on, like, what, kid number seven, eight? You got, like, a full (laughs) starting five and a backup building up over there.
8: (laughs) Yeah, we do, we do seven, but well, that's it. Don't add no more. We're done. There's uh-huh. no more, no more possibilities. But <laughs> we got uh-huh. seven.
7: That's it. <laughs> All right, man. Good catching up with you.
3: When we come back on ESPN six ninety. We're gonna start breaking down the Jaguars Chiefs a little bit. Gonna be joined by Mister John Bachman as well. John, and share some of the news stories of the day, and I'm sure might be a little hurricane related, and also a little bit of balling and falling. When we come back here on ESPN six ninety. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Special thanks to Cecil Shorts for joining us. Uh, great interview. If you missed it, you can check it out on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to repeat him again because <laughs> I'm literally out of breath. <laughs> but no, Twitter, Mixer, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitch? Instagram, Instagram. Ah, that Instagram yet, John? Oh. John, I, that's more work for Coos over there. Absolutely. Yeah, we're joined by Marcel Robinson, and you just heard the voice, of Mr. John Bachman. A little bit of a TV timeout. John, what Afternoon, do we got coming up? Fellas. Uh, How you, you doing? Know,
0: well, shockingly, we're going to be talking about Dorian a lot today. Fact, me shocked. mostly entirely. But here's the deal. So uh, I'm going to start off with something a little fun. Mike Burrish tweeted something earlier today that I thought was fantastic. He Basically, he said... Uh, Listening to meteorologists predict what's gonna happen with hurricanes five days out is like looking up your symptoms on WebMD. <laughs> could be nothing, might could kill you. That's so I like that. So, and his point is, look, folks, it's still uh, we're still several days away, and the fact is, we don't know exactly what this thing's gonna do. We have a pretty good idea now that it's Friday, that on Monday evening, this thing is going to be a strong storm. It's going to be hitting uh, somewhere south of the Cape, Cape mm-hmm. Canaveral, uh, it's, it's, yeah, between West, West Palm Beach areas where Mike's sinking somewhere in between those two somewhere. Fort Pierce, I think, is a uh, place he keeps putting out there. So so we have that pretty good idea. Now the question is, what does it do after that? Does it go up the spine of Florida and drop a whole bunch of rain in a slow-moving rainmaker that, quite frankly, uh, would be pretty bad for us, right. uh, you know, right. or does it move, you know, anyway, the point is we don't know yet, but we, we are expecting that this is going to be a huge deal for all of Florida. And if you've been out on the roads today, you've already noticed that it's partly, you know, Labor Day traffic. Right. Oh, the traffic people, ridiculous, traffic yeah. is ridiculous out there right now. I think tomorrow traffic is going to be – Look, this is all why they had to move the, the, the Florida State-Boise State game, right? Mm-hmm. It's already starting where people are heeding the warnings and they're starting to get out of South Florida and they're heading our way. So that's that's where we're at. So we're going to be covering all those angles. We're going to be looking at the roads and what the DOT is doing. The governor announced today that they're starting to clear the shoulders in preparation for evacuation orders, so that on 75 and 95 they can get people going north faster. Right. right. Um, not planning at this point on you know going all northbound at this point because they're still bringing their uh, highway patrol is escorting gas trucks down into South Florida so that they can keep the fuel pumps open so all the people can get the gas and get out of there. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of stuff going on. and Anyway, so th- that's the kind of stuff we're covering today. The other thing that we've got that I think is really interesting, um, certainly a reason to check it out, and it, you're going to only see it on Action News Jax, is uh, an investigation that we've got going. We've been following, remember after Irma, those 12 um, uh, nursing home Folks who died after Irma because the yep. power was out right, it was right. so yeah, hot, no air yeah. conditioning. These folks are already, you know, in a in a, in a not a good state health wise, and yeah. and they died. So twelve mm. people died after Irma, Irma, but because the the, the nursing homes didn't have power. Well, mm. after that, state law was changed requiring nursing homes to have generators to back up their systems. Right. Well, believe it or not, after all that, it's been almost a year, if not exactly a year there are still dozens of facilities in our area locally that still don't have generators unreal so we're going to tell you how they're skirting the rule right because it's a law they're well, how they're, they're, they, they, they've gotten around it but here's the other deal within the last hour we've learned that the governor is sending teams out to make sure that they comply so uh now they're they're, they're technically still in compliance and there's a way around that. I'll, that's called a call tease. I'll no, tell you sure. how they're doing it. But he's going – he's sending – he's not doing it, of course. But he's having teams of people going out there to um, make sure that these facilities are going to be able to have power in case we lose power.
3: And, John, I, I don't want to ruin the tease here, but is the whole situation where they don't want to have the generators,
0: is it a money thing or what – is that I- – <laughs> you you and i probably both know the reason but yeah. i mean there's no way to know for sure is it yeah. is it a is it a, a technical issue or yeah. what it's but let's be honest it's probably a, a, one would assume that it would be a, a money issue sure. because those things aren't cheap yeah, obviously cheap. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, but i don't know i mean yeah, I, okay. th- for whatever reason there are dozens that have not gotten the generators wow. set up like they should have right right um so that's kind of crazy so we're we're working on that as well very
3: cool. Um, I mean, it's not cool, obviously, no, but I mean, but very it's interesting. It's, yeah, it's, interesting, very interesting, that it's yeah. interesting
0: that you can go this long without without doing what, what what is required. It's unbelievable. And 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 so hopefully we can get these folks who are higher risk taken yeah. care of. And of course, it's going to be uh, the five o'clock um, update is coming out in the next ten fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. So Mike will have that right at the top of the show at five o'clock. Um, so he'll break down what's changed and look, this thing's changing. You know, we do these updates 5 and 11 o'clock, 5 and 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. and every every update's different. So it's been strengthening. It's, you know, still circling out there in warm, warm water, 90 degrees, gaining strength. Um, so it's it, this is this is going to be a huge event for the state of Florida. And, you know, up here in northeast Florida, we may be a good refuge for the brunt of the storm, but we may still get a lot of rain out of this deal. And for anybody who was here in 2016, 2017, rain is just as bad as strong wind if not worse in some ways yeah slow moving water yeah so that's it that's all i got well,
3: uh, i think that's all you need
0: is all, is there, I'm, I'm, yeah, we got dorian yeah. all day no, no. long john quick question because yeah. you
3: know i mean I'm, I'm an amateur to come to these hurricane things i'm from the midwest um i've been through you know a couple of them now but i mean as far as like when people can tune in and everything like when is there going to be kind of an exact idea of what this hurricane is going to do as yeah. far as like projection where it's going to hit i mean is that like
0: a, a day before or is that
3: like hours that's, before just so people can plan it yeah everything? that's a
0: great question so uh, you know it w- the, that cone of uncertainty yeah. narrows every every time, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole point. So like I said, they've finally now kind of locked in on Monday evening when it's going to go, when it's going to hit. And, and kind of now you can see that cone of uncertainty is pretty much narrowed in on that West Palm, Cape Canaveral. Right, right. Then they're pretty sure that once it hits land, it's going to veer north. Mm. What they still don't know at this point is is it, it most of the models have like basically going up Florida's spine, right, yeah. right along the Gulf just, Stream, right? It's uh, oh, now you're testing my meteorological <laughs> knowledge. Sorry. I say Marcel. Th- th- we call it Florida the spine because it, man. basically Florida spine, the highest point in Florida, which right, is probably right. what five or six feet above sea level. But yeah. anyway, you know, and then and then it either goes to the Gulf or it goes to the Atlantic. So it's gonna it's gonna more or less follow the spine. That's what most of the models say going north,
9: mm-hmm.
0: but there are outlying models that show it going you know farther west maybe up the west coast of florida or maybe even out into the gulf which would probably be really not a very good situation for a Texas, lot of folks yeah. but um or going up the east coast and that also would not be very good for us because then you're starting to, to talk about even more water i mean bottom line is we're going to have a water event in northeast florida because yeah. we've got a high high tide so we've already got more water coming up in into the st john's right now anyway mm-hmm. then you're going to have the northeast and the, and the wind bringing even more water in and that doesn't even account for any of the rain that's going to be falling right. and we're talking about rain today that we've already had which has nothing to do with the storm and then you're going to have you know there's been numbers thrown around where you know there's going to be as much as 20 inches of rain with this thing coming and and it may be more maybe less but we're gonna have a lot of rain coming with it as well so yeah. uh, i think you know like you hear about the Black Creek in Clay County was really problematic with Irma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of concern that that could be a problem again. We saw Riverside San Marco flooded out in parts um, with Irma as well and downtown too right well that, yeah, and, and that's that's what I, right where right where the St. John's kind of makes that hard right angle right. or yep. left angle depending on which way you're going um that that's a problem area. And and it could be again we don't know for sure but um, you know getting back to sports I think you know as we look at this thing we look at all the traffic that's starting to build today and and especially tomorrow mm-hmm. I, I you know it, it was hard to make that call because of the economic impact on mm-hmm. on our city but the reality is if if the traffic is what we expect it to be tomorrow it, it you have to say it was the right call for safety and as I said I think maybe yesterday. Uh, you know a lot of these folks are going to be staying in jacksonville because it does seem like a fairly close reasonably close and reasonably safe place to hole up right, during right. this storm so yeah. there's a possibility that these hotel rooms who are losing in restaurants or are losing business from the game moving may end up still benefiting from this which is hard to say but you know that <laughs> yeah. that could hopefully i hope for our local business people out there that this is sort of a a, a, a balancing of the scales, if you will. Without so doubt. anyway, that's wh- that's where we're at. But expect to see the roads very busy in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours, and and it's not just holiday traffic, that's for sure. Yeah. John Bachman, TV Tech right,
3: Action News, Jax. Keep your eyes peeled for updating hurricane yeah. coverage. Absolutely. Um, as see it gets closer to see us. See
0: at five o'clock on CBS forty-seven and still Fox thirty. By the will way. We'll do, man. Okay, so to the plan. Thank you. Stay safe Stay out there. Yep.
3: All right. When well, we come back to ESPN six ninety. Well, we're off Monday. I got Marcel here who knows the stuff the X's and O's of football. Let's start breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit. Let's man. do it. Let's, Let's start breaking it. them down and see what we see from them. And if uh, Doug Marone was kind of lying when he said that Jalen Ramsey will be covering Tyreek Hill all day, I call BS, <laughs> this Coach Marone. I call BS, and I explain why when we come back on ESPN 690.
6: take a little bit of break and they'll come back and they know that we've got a, you know, obviously a very uh, tough opponent playing a team that's predicted to go to the Super Bowl and then maybe win it all. So, you know, we'll get to work on that. And like I said, it'll be crazy 72 hours really from this point on. That's
3: Doug Marone talking about the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs as, hey, we're we're getting close to that regular season here, Marcel. We got give or take, what, eight or nine days? I was never
7: good at math. Uh, I believe that would be
3: nine. Nine days away. When you open up TIAA Bank, Bank. TIAA Bank, whatever you want to call it, you open it up and you host the Kansas City Chiefs. And seeing how, we're going to be gone on Monday. Unfortunately, it's Labor Day, and I take my national holidays very seriously, (laughs) whether it's food or, I guess, uh, labor-oriented so we, we won't be here, unfortunately. But I figured what a better way now than to, to break down, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit, what to expect, especially from that defensive side of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what really got my juices flowing, because, Marcel, you know me, man. Uh, I love the game planning aspect. I love looking at a roster, seeing what they have, and kind of predicting what's going to happen. I mean, I tried to do that with the, the Josh Allen pickup of the 3-4 defense And, you know, that was something I was very adamant about. And I think we're going to see a three four defense against the Kansas City Chiefs. One of my things I forgot to bring up with Stewart that we talked about Taven Bryant a little bit. And I'm not sure if you watched the game at all, Marcel, but Taven Bryant last night. And I want to make sure I have these stats correct of when this play actually went down. Um, It was on a third and five and it was out of a shotgun formation. And it was out of a bunch formation. And for those people that are kind of, you know, uh, casual NFL fans, bunch basically signifying that the wide receivers are closer to the quarterback um, than, a, than a traditional NFL formation. Right. And what I saw from Taven Bryan was I actually saw him drop back into coverage. He, he dropped back into as it was what we call a hook coverage. Basically, he just rushed straight back. Mm-hmm. And you only rush three guys. And I think when we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, this high-powered offense with this MVP named Patrick Mahomes coming off of a of a stellar, you know, first year, all things considered, he wasn't a rookie, but it was his first year in the NFL playing a full season. Um, you know, they have a lot of firepower, whether it's Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Uh, they, they can beat you in a variety of ways. And I think with Andy Reid, which, listen, I've been part of an Andy Reid offense. I had to go against it every single day in training camp for a little bit. It's not easy to beat, because Andy Reid's going to have that team ready to roll, and he is the master of game planning, especially when he's had the the entire preseason to game plan for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think where he can be vulnerable, I think where Patrick Mahomes can be vulnerable, and I think where the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs can be vulnerable, is when you throw a lot of exotic looks and make them guess uh, during those pre-check looks.
7: Your thoughts? Uh, I think 100%, I I think that's going to be ultimately what it comes down to. I think because the Kansas City offense, they're so dangerous just everywhere. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about this uh, kind of off air is that I think the game plan is going to have to be to find a way to keep that Mahomes magic from kind of rearing its head, whether that be disguising looks or, uh, you know, dropping more guys back in coverage. They're going to have to disguise the defensive look basically on every single play because um, is, Mahomes is obviously still a young guy. But, you know, going through last season, he's seen a lot. You know, from you know some of the greater defenses that we have, um, and so it's gonna be hard to show him something that he hasn't seen, um, and it and if you can't get him like off his spot or out of his groove, once he get into gets into a groove, it's 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 bad. I mean, I was at the game mm-hmm. last year, you know, when we went up to Kansas City, uh, for that particular game, and and just kind of watching him he has a such a command of the huddle and 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 control over the game and and the last thing you want it for a guy like that who can kill you with his legs or get out the pocket and make every single throw in the field and and, you know with the no look pass and whatever um the last thing you want him to do is get comfortable because if he gets comfortable he's gonna kill you
3: absolutely and with patrick mahomes You know, I think this is a guy, like you said, where if you give him any kind of time whatsoever, uh, he's going to punch either with his legs or with his arm because this guy can make any throw from any angle with Mm -hmm. any kind of footwork. And I think what we saw last night with Taven Bryan dropping back into coverage, I think the philosophy, I think it's a great one. When you look at that Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line right now, and I'm assuming Marcel Darius is going to be healthy, 100% ready to go week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. When you look at that defensive line, you have studs rushing the passer. And I think that if you can drop an extra guy in the coverage, whether, you know, he's going to take Damian Williams, maybe in the flats or whoever it's going to be. I think you have the opportunity to, number one, confuse Patrick Mahomes, but also still get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see a lot of linemen drop back in the coverage a lot because. Teams don't really rush three defensive linemen because you have to still get to the quarterback, and it's rare for a three defensive lineman to get to the quarterback. With Josh Allen, with Calais Campbell, with Yannick Ngakwe, I believe you can do that. Getting back to my point where I kind of teased yesterday a little bit, I teased it a little bit again today with Stewart. Doug Marone has been quoted saying that Jalen Ramsey is going to cover Tyreek Hill. You know, and everyone's excited for this matchup because Jalen Ramsey may have talked a little trash in the past about Tyreek Hill. Uh, basically, a, and I'm not quoting here, but basically it was along the lines of being a glorified kick returner, right? And that, that's why he was all pro is cause he was a kick returner. Well, this past season, Tyreek Hill, um, kind of burst on the scene and everything. Uh, first team all pro. Put up some very gaudy numbers is a is a receiver that I feel is dangerous anywhere on the field. Usually, when you have a wide receiver, you have to worry about it, especially at that one spot. Yeah, maybe you have to worry about that goal route. Maybe you have to worry about that red zone target. You know, having like a big body receiver. Tyree Kill is not that guy. If Tyree Kill gets the ball behind the line of scrimmage off a cro- crossing route off a go, he can take a yard every single time. That's what makes him so dangerous. And I think, and listen. When I went back to watch some film last year with the Kansas City Chiefs, it was hard to see that offense really stall at all. You know, so I'm going by what, what the Patriots did with them in the AFC Championship game. And in the AFC Championship game, Bill Belichick, who is a defensive genius, especially taking away the best threat on offense, we have to analyze who the best threat on offense is. And I think it's Tyreek Hill. All due respect to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is probably the best tight end in the NFL. But I think in terms of what Kansas City is going to try to do. Go for those big plays. Uh, put you know put the Jaguars behind the clock right away. I think Tyreek Hill is going to be that guy. So what do you do? Do you put Jalen Ramsey on him? I don't think you do. And the fact that Doug Marrone came out and said Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Tyreek Hill, it almost throws up a red flag. It's a little gamesmanship. Because if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I did what the New England Patriots did. I actually. Put Jalen Ramsey and Sammy Watkins, and I take him completely off the field. That way, you don't have the safeties worrying about Sammy Watkins. It's just Jalen Ramsey's guy all day. Have fun with that. And then you double Tyree Kill. You, you you give uh, exotic zone looks. You you give exotic looks where he can't get the ball in open space. Um, Mahomes can't find him, and then doing that, Mahomes could hold the ball a little longer, and that's where your defensive line starts to feast.
7: Yeah, I I see exactly where you're going with that, but for me, honestly. I think that um I don't see them locking up uh Jalen locking up on Tyreek Hill mainly because they don't have to. I mean yeah. you you, got, you have two all pro corners, um uh two great corners. Uh obviously, you know, you don't really know what you're gonna get with the two new, younger guys at safety because that's a little bit different. But um if you go back to that Kansas City game, everyone talks about, you know, how you know Tyreek he got loose from Jalen a couple of times or whatever. But Tyreek Hill wasn't the leading receiver in that game. Travis Kelsey was. True. And, and last year we had whom we deemed, you know, the, the tight end container to Sean Gibson on all of our tight ends. Well, he's not here this year. He's not here this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they necessarily have to lock in on Tyreek Hill. Um, I think that they're going to beat it, beat him up. And and like I said earlier, I think the biggest issue here is to just make sure that Mahomes doesn't get loose. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you're a f- football guy. If you give any quarterback, you know, six, seven seconds, it doesn't matter if you got champ bailey and uh dion lined up with the real reivers in the nickel i guarantee you somebody's getting over open the seven seconds (laughs) yeah so i think i I don't think they're necessarily going to key in on somebody i think it all comes back to disguising some things maybe drop a line, you know uh rush three drop one of your ends and and bringing the linebacker off the edge uh just because i I feel that i mean yeah tyree hill's a good receiver i'm not gonna lie he's fast he's shifty if he gets his hands on the ball you know he's dangerous but I don't think you overthink this. I think mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things, the reasons why people lose to the Kansas City Chiefs is they overthink that oh we, we have to shut down Tyreek Hill. Well, they got weapons everywhere. I mean, you yeah. got you got Kelsey, you got Watkins, and even got Miko Harbour from Georgia who's been coming on in the preseason. So um, it's gonna be a fun matchup for sure. It will be, especially if they have a running back tune and Demon Williams. And listen.
3: I don't think he's a cream hunt, but any running back, if you play fantasy football, you know this, any running back in that Andy Reid offense is going to feast as well. So you have to account for him. Um, Listen, it's going to be a tough task for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday at TIA Bank Field. We'll be breaking it down more next week, but just a little preview for all you listeners out there what to expect from that Jaguars defense. When we come back in ESPN 690, we'll be joined by Brent Martineau, do a little ballin' and falling, a little stay in your lane, and maybe talk a little college football next on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Thanks to Marcel Robinson for stopping by and talking a little Kansas City Chiefs with us. A little bit of a breakdown. Once again, that was only a little appetizer. That was just a little something to keep you guys tied over for the weekend, this long weekend, as we will not be in the studio Monday, thanks to Labor Day. Uh, still waiting to see on Tuesday if we will be here. God willing, I'm going to be here because there will be a lot of things to talk about, especially breaking down that Chiefs offense and what the Jaguars can do on defense. Speaking of uh breaking down a little bit, and listen, I understand you people are staying here, and I say you people, and I say that with all due respect. You guys are gonna break down a couple parties for this hurricane. I just ask that you be safe, number one. Uh, Be smart, number two. And if you're gonna break it down with a party, a hurricane party, why not make it a little Vita de Louis?
9: beautiful ladies marching there's enough for everyone to win. we're gonna make this party the best thing at name. this is my favorite place, nothing will replace, no, Not nothing. anything
4: goes, gangsters rolling, half face smiling, so oh, I think of the rhythm, what you're drinking,
3: anything. Grab a drink, get a shot, sip your star tenders, and now joining me is Action Sports' Jax, Brent Martineau.
1: <laughs> ah, what's up? Just perfect timing to celebrate a little Vita de Lali. I can probably have it all weekend. Vita <laughs> de Lali recently got a 94 rating. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Lali tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit com, And you might want to go on com and stock up for next week. It looks like you got a, an extra day or two, but uh, maybe they'll make the shipment quick so you can have a little for your hurricane party. But uh, party hard, but drink responsibly all weekend long on the holiday weekend what's happening man nothing too
3: much just kind of wrapping up the final hour of the show here it's been a good one today we were joined by seashell shorts in the four o'clock hour kind of talked about his justin blackman article a little bit that was great obviously broke down that jags game last night um wasn't a lot of positive things to break down from that game but we broke it down nonetheless brent and uh now just kind of hanging out with you how i mean first of all before we get into the Jaguars wars and, and college football and all these topics. The most important topic obviously being Hall of Fame Steph now inducted, now enshrined into the Hall of Fame there in Ohio for her high school. How'd it go last night?
1: Yeah, some people lead off with uh uh like Mr. Austin Lane or or maybe it's Doctor So and so. Sure. well now it's H dot O dot F Stephanie Martin. <laughs> That's how we do it. So uh Hall of Famer Stephanie Martin. That's all I have her in my phone. Actually, it's not Steph. It's not um, great wife. It's it's Hall of Famer. Yeah, uh, the only one that's listed in my phone contacts is Hall of Famer. So uh, yeah, it was cool. It was really actually a pretty cool night. Uh, pretty neat stuff, and uh, to to see. Not a, there was like four or five folks, and they all had their their stories to share, and and did it. And uh, really cool, especially since I don't really know a lot from uh, when she was in high school, uh, and a lot of different eras of people, but. Uh, I think it's pretty neat to see what people are doing now. In fact, one of the guys, how about this? Let's talk about Small World. So one of the guys from like 1978 uh, that, that graduated from her same high school, and he got inducted, and he's now in Winter Springs, Florida, and I think he owns like a medical company or something. But his son graduated in 2009 from Bartram Trail.
3: Wow. <laughs> how, <laughs> how bizarre the, is that's that, That's right? that small town stuff, man. I'm telling you. Like, wow.
1: Very small yeah, world. Weird. So, but anyway, the other great part is. So you know, this is the way we we're obviously pretty competitive. Steph is and and I am, and Steph's way more competitive than me. But like, when I first met Steph, if we played Monopoly and she <laughs> lost, she was pissed. I mean, not, not kidding. You yeah, know, yeah. I just kind of wanted to play. It was just a fun night, but sure. she was pissed if she lost. Um, so she's like super competitive but I think the kids kind of have that trait because you're supposed to go between three and seven minutes on the speech. And Steph is second up on her speech. And, uh, you know, she she's, she doesn't public speak very often. So she was a little nervous about it. She did a good job and, um, she gets through it and the kids don't, nobody even, uh, everybody else is, is kind of applauding and the kids don't even, all I hear from them in the back is six minutes and 40 seconds.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Keeping <And> so, tabs. <laughs> so they,
1: and then, did they have and some so money, so on on like, money on that or something? They had some money on something. They had the over-under or something. Yeah. Well, and she doesn't know this part. but uh, So Ty tells me after. Uh, Ty and Kaylee they said we were counting how many times she said um. Oh, jeez. And, <laughs> and, so, and so and she did say um a couple of times like in the beginning. Yeah. And uh Kay was like, I think she said, um, 60 times. And then I stopped counting.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired from the Martino clan. Well, hey, gee, I tell you, man, you just make sure, no that also sure when when I say what not, or, you know, okay. Because I'm sure I've, I've crossed triple digits today. So
1: <laughs> it is, uh, it is not, uh, it, it's no old barred man around here. Uh, I guess so. Nothing's off limits. It doesn't matter, but she did a good job. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, tonight we go to the high school football game and, She'll get honored at the high school football game. It's really cool. Good stuff. It's been a fun, fun couple of days.
3: Fantastic. And probably the most important part was that you were mentioned, I found out, twice last night in the Hall of Fame speech, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Not bad. Even the Jags got mentioned. I mean, she went right off the rip. Like, she didn't mess this one up at all. Right yeah. off the top, she said, hey, Red's even missing the Jags game for this. So yeah. um, so I got credit right off the top for, for you know, doing my uh, – Husband duties. Sure. And so uh, I have to give her a tip of the cap for that. But – it was, uh, it was pretty
3: good stuff. Well, speaking of the Jags, and really getting a tip of the cap should go to me because I actually watched the entire preseason game number four last night for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I'm not sure how many uh, you know minutes you got to watch last night, but obviously in terms of depth, uh, it was really apparent that the Falcons were the better team in terms of depth. Uh, you know, they they kind of whopped uh, the Jaguars, as you like that term so much, last night. I mean, 0-4 in the preseason, I get it. It, it, It's the preseason, and and I'm the first one to tell you that you don't put too much stake into that. But at the same time, I mean, is this probably the worst preseason performances that you've seen so far, Brent, covering the Jaguars here?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it probably will go down as that. I mean, look, Minshew didn't lead a touchdown drive. I think he had like 30 drives, somebody said, and 20 of them ended in punts, and um, it just wasn't good. But I think that... I, in a way, the Jags set the table for that themselves. It was a little self-inflicted mm-hmm. and, uh, because they weren't playing their guys in Week 2 and didn't play them in Week 1. and So I think they, they kind of just said, hey, the heck with it. And we know nobody's going to play in Week 4. But I, 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 I wrestle with this. I think there's a bit – my first reaction is this. I think there's an overreaction to the lack of depth on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I actually wanted to ask you that today because, okay, it looks ugly in a four-quarter game. But you know how depth works. You know, guys 35 through 45 uh, might not even play. Mm -hmm. Guys 30 through 45 might play however many snaps in the game. We're not talking about going out there for 65 snaps in a game. So uh, I I feel like we're overplaying the lack of depth the Jaguars might have. Yes, if 25 guys get hurt, the Jags are going to suck. I get it. We found that out last year. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, what's your take on it? Is it a bit overplayed? I mean, depth comes into play on special teams. And then when you start really getting hurt, like third guy, you need to play uh, in a certain position. And I just so I, I feel like from that sense, it's a bit over overreaction off the preseason is the lack of depth the Jags have.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Brent. It is a little overreaction because I can't remember the last time, you know, in the NFL where you know, the the whole starting defensive line uh, was out for a season. I mean, I think we see that a lot on the offensive line. But, like, you know, I I think people were concerned maybe a little bit of the defensive depth, right? Like, it didn't seem like they could stop anybody um, throughout the entire preseason. And you're absolutely right. You're you're really never going to see, you know, guys 35 through 53 out as starters unless there's just a, a catastrophe of injuries. So... I do get your point there. You you just see those guys kind of towards the end of the depth playing special teams and everything like that. So I absolutely get your point there. Um, I wouldn't put a lot of stake into it, but I mean there there are some spots though, Brent, in terms of depth where I am putting stake into it. You know, and that's more of the the offensive side of the ball right now. You know, I think I think Raquel Armstead really made a name for himself last night. I thought he had a great game, especially you know, catching some passes out of the backfield. I've been stating the whole time where the Jaguars need another pass catcher at running back and Armstead just might be that guy. And, and I knew he kind of did that a little bit at college, but I think he kind of put in another gear last night. You saw that. So that, that's a promising thing, but. The tight end position, you know, I think in terms of depth right now, that's where you have to be a little nervous at because what you know you've seen the John D. Filippo offenses. He likes to use those two tight end sets, and when, right now we're looking at a team uh, where Josh Oliver is not slated to start Week One against Kansas City, and we're not sure of the status of Jeff Swain quite yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you're right about that. Now that's something we knew whether they went four and zero in the preseason or not, mm-hmm. um, or zero and four is the fact that the tight end spot is, is a question mark, no doubt. And I think you're right about the Raquel Armstead. That's a nice sign because it, you're kind of scratching your head behind Leonard Fournette, what happens. Uh, Alfred Blue, I think, showed some nice things, but now with the we'll see where he is health-wise. Uh, so I, I like the fact that at least Armstead starts to show out, and he showed out a little bit earlier even in camp, until he got the concussion, then that slowed him down. So it's good for him to have a nice showcase game. All right, let's talk about the other things that happened today. We know Dayton Jones gets cut. We know Revis gets cut. A little surprising from the name recognition standpoint. Uh, and then there's a flip side of the Dayton Jones one. I think there's a couple of things to it, actually. Let's start with the Taven Bryan thing, because yeah. there's not a GM, there's not a front office, there's not a team in the NFL that would have cut Taven Bryan. You can tell me that these Dayton Jones is better than him, that Bryan – uh, is not any good, and Brian is obviously drawn the ire of the fan base. He is that guy this year for the fan base. There's always a guy, if not more than one, mm-hmm. that, that the fan base just goes after, and he's that guy. And, and by the way, they might be right. It might be deserving, but the bottom line is you're not getting rid of a first-round pick after 16 games. Nobody in their right mind would. I, I'd love to know how many times it's happened in NFL history. It's probably happened a little bit, but not very often. So, uh, that part of this story is is just and, and deaf on my ears a little bit because it, it, nobody would do it. So it's not that that situation. Dayton Jones, to me, I'm really surprised he didn't because I thought he did everything you could have done. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll land with another team because of that. The tape's too good from the preseason. But it also shows me another reason why the preseason is a waste of time. Because if a guy's going to play that well in the preseason and can't make your football team, then what the hell are we playing games for?
3: I mean, brother, that's a great point. And kind of Stewart brought that up to me a little bit in the first hour, you know, and he said that um, by all his, you know, what he's been hearing is that the Jaguars are putting a lot more stock into how the guys practice as opposed to what they show on film during the preseason games. And I think that makes sense from the standpoint where yeah you're not seeing a lot of starters obviously um, in the preseason game so one would think they're getting all their reps in practice and listen I didn't have Dayton Jones underneath the microscope you know during training camp or OTAs of how good he looked but I know how good he looked on film when the lights were on when the lights were the brightest when it mattered the most and I thought Dayton Jones had a hell of a preseason I thought he showed up in a lot of the preseason games and made some pretty big plays, whether it was the big hit on Cody Kessler knocking him out. Now, granted, I mean, he kind of came free on that one. But if you really watch that game, he was causing havoc in the backfield all day. Um, I thought Dayton Jones really made a name for himself. And as I look at that depth, Brent, when we talk about the importance of depth, here's a guy who performed. Uh, from what he was asked to do, but he's, he's also a guy who's played multiple positions in the NFL. He, ha- he he's played that three technique. He he can play that big five technique like Clayus Campbell plays. It- Crap, if worse comes to worse, the guy's played outside linebacker before for the Minnesota Vikings. If you have to put him at a 3-4 outside linebacker spot, I'm sure the guy can do that as well. So the fact that, you know, he's so versatile, um, he's so athletic, a former first-round pick who just hasn't really found his niche of the position that he wants to play, I thought he found that niche in Jacksonville, and unfortunately he gets released now. Now, it's important to think, too, maybe the Jaguars plan on bringing him back. Um, I'm not sure like how the contract works, where they sign him after week one, but one would think that since they released him, there's going to be another team out there that picks him up because, yes, like you said, his film is just way too good right now.
1: There's got to be another team that needs a little bit of that. And listen, it's a nice situation for a team to be in when you don't need a player that's been productive but could fit on your roster because you have too many players. Yeah. And again, people will say, well, it's better than Taven Bryan. It doesn't matter. Take Taven Bryan out of the situation because Taven Bryan wasn't going anywhere. Even if you could have brought it all pro in here, they weren't going to cut Taven Bryan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they just weren't doing it. So But I think it speaks, okay, good job on the depth of the defensive line. A little bit of that, too, is they added Josh Allen. That was a little bit of a surprise this year. I don't know if they had that plan going into the draft, but they added another big body, of course, and a big player with Josh Allen on that defensive front in the first round of the draft. So – uh, it, it just is a bit unlucky, and I get it. But it did make me think about all this talk about the preseason. And you want to see guys flash in games? You ask them to do that. He does everything you ask, and he doesn't make the team. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, that's, there's something that just doesn't feel right about this, and it goes against the preseason games once again, in my opinion. Because what it does is, say you do eventually get to 17 games or 18 games. My big, the, the big plan with getting a more games in the regular season is you also expand rosters. And a guy like Dayton Jones then would make this team because you could use an extra body there and you had an extra roster spot for him. So, I mean, it's kind of a it, – it, it doesn't matter because it's not the way that it is right now. But if you look up in two or three years, a guy like Dayton Jones, after this new CBA, might be on the Jags team. This time around, he's not. And hopefully he lands in a good spot with somebody else. because he certainly feels like he's earned it. You know, he did everything they asked of him. Uh, kind of like Johnny Wolford's doing out there in, in the Rams. You know, I mean, yeah. the guy's done everything they asked him to do. You, you like to see a guy that you ask to play well, and he does play well, land somewhere, stick somewhere. Now, I guess it's just the uh, unfortunate part of the business in the nfl sometimes but hopefully these guys find a home and and a roster spot somewhere
3: brent you mentioned josh allen and a guy you saw last night um for a pretty great deal of time was leon jacobs you know and leon jacobs last year was the the starting you know sam he was that strong side linebacker spot now finding himself this year playing in preseason game number four what does that kind of say number one about the defense that what the jaguars are trying to do now And what does it say about their confidence with Josh Allen going forward, the fact that Leon Jacobs is playing in preseason game number four already?
1: Yeah, it is questionable about uh, Jacobs. I think they just want to see something more out of him, Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens when all these cuts come down. But I I think you hit it. it. It says everything about Josh Allen and how they're going to use him. And the more and more we talk and the more and more you get right, about all this 3 4 look and the hybrid look and what he can do and how they're going to utilize him. And you got to keep number 41 on the field. So it, it makes, um, what it does is at least give them an opportunity to say, hey, we want to see more and we don't have to protect this guy from injury because we've got a way to go if we need another way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be interesting with the whole Jacobs story and that whole Sam linebacker story and how this looks and, and the the reps are given during a regular game. That's going to be fascinating. Of course, a lot of that does change with styles of play, right? I mean, it'll look different with Kansas City than it looks against probably the Tennessee Titans. Uh, But it's a fascinating watch at how they build this roster, and it's all, not all, but in in this instance, it's all based on Josh Allen's skill level, his ability, and the way he's shown out early on in his NFL career that gives that defensive uh, coaching staff A heck of a confidence to utilize him in a lot of different ways
3: speaking of showing out a guy that i was really surprised that made the cut list that kind of showed out the whole preseason was cj revis um cj revis was let go along with tay hayes uh josh rawls another name and thomas rawls i mean out of all those names you kind of surprised to see some of those guys go
1: yeah, Dayton Jones and and C.J. Revis are the ones for me. Yeah, uh, Revis because he played so well in that first one. He got a lot of momentum in that first preseason game, and he's been around a little bit. I I guess in my mind, and we do this sometimes, we just kind of pencil those guys in as okay, that's who they're going to stick with. Well, uh, now what are they going to do back there? You know, that's another depth concern spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's actually a concern spot as a from a starting standpoint because we don't know what they're going to get out of that safety position. I mean, we we can uh, have hope. You can uh, believe in something. Uh, but I think it is a bit of blind faith how Harrison and Jared Wilson are going to get along back there. And then it's really blind faith if you think they have any depth behind them and how those guys would do if Wilson or Harrison got hurt. So uh, probably the weakest spot on this Jaguars defense is not linebacker, even though Telvin Smith's gone and – Um, that situation has presented itself even with Quincy Williams getting banged up. The weakest spot really is that safety position because I think there's a lot of unknown at what we're going to get there once this game starts uh, next week.
3: Well, and it's kind of like you mentioned, there's a lot of unknown, you know, and then especially with the cuts happening now, there's always use for depth and things like that. And you, you're probably more um, knowledgeable than this than I even am. Um, you know, as far as like going through these roster cuts right now, and, and, you know, like you see guys getting cut and you see all oh, well, that, that guy's got some talent. He has some skill. The Jaguars should go after him. I mean, how often do the Jacksonville Jaguars go out and, you know, take some guys off waivers to try to build their team a little bit? Because yeah, it's one thing to bring in a talented guy but you have to teach him the system you have to kind of establish the culture with him and sometimes it takes guys to get caught up to speed a little bit so do you see more of you know doug marone has his guys right now he likes what he sees gonna stick with that or will we see some kind of you know free agent signings here off that waiver wire and maybe cut a few guys that supposedly made the team ready for the jacksonville jaguars
1: well, I think some of these cuts and the way they did this preseason are certainly an indicator that they will be active on the waiver wire this weekend. Once the cuts become official at four o'clock tomorrow, and uh, one of the, there's two reasons for that. Oh, really? One big reason for that: they're number seven on the waiver wire list, and so they have high priority. You know, they only have six teams in front of them, so you gotta you, you gotta feel good about maybe another team might drop somebody that can help you from a depth standpoint and and keep in mind these are all depth plays right Mm -hmm. they're not anybody that's going to come in here and most likely start right away uh, unless there's some catastrophic injury in the next you know week and a half but uh yeah these are depth plays and special teams kind of plays that the jags uh scouting staff and front office is looking for i always think that's fascinating about this time of year they're making their own cuts based on a little bit of what they believe other teams might do because maybe they feel like a safety may free up from another team that they like, and they're probably keeping an eye on that. And uh, there might be some, a decent pool of players that might be better than a guy like C.J. Revis. So that's my only belief in why they make a move like that. Revis is a little surprising to me, and they must like what the waiver wire might give them uh in the next uh
3: next couple of days say we're kind of behind it right now so we're gonna get ready to cut to break but before we do um a guy that just got cut from the oakland raiders kind of a star in hard knocks the guy from canada by the name of luke wilson tight end spent some time with the seahawks played behind jimmy graham but you know has some pretty decent numbers set aside from being a backup quarterback spent time in detroit last year went to oakland now gets released do you think luke wilson's a guy at that tight end spot where they seem to need some depth right now. Could you see the Jaguars pursuing him?
1: Yeah, remember when uh, uh, we found out about Telvin Smith and then Quincy Williams was drafted, and then that span of like five days, we saw three or four linebackers <laughs> added to the Jaguars. Yeah. Rameek Wilson and Najee Good and all these. Don't be surprised if you see that with a tight end position. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a lot of revolving door activity with that tight end position. Why not spin your wheels? You don't know what you have there. You're not confident in a whole lot. Sure, you're invested in the rookie Josh Oliver when he gets on the field. But that's really about it. I mean, Jeff Swain's a minimal investment. So I think uh, that will be a revolving door acquisition kind of position for the Jacksonville Jaguars, where they will uh, be very active in looking at guys like Wilson. But again, a a reminder, man, those guys get cut from the other team for a certain reason. You know, that's what you always got to check yourself with, even if it's a big name. Brandon Marshall gets let go by the Raiders. I know people are like, hey, bring him back. Well, this isn't Brandon Marshall, probably from four or five years ago, you know. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that, and and there's a reason why other teams are not keeping them. But once in a while, they might have the same situation as the Jaguars had with a Dayton Jones, where you mm-hmm. just had too many bodies and couldn't keep them. So those are the kind of quality players you're looking to scoop up. Once again, the Jaguars are uh, picking number seven on that waiver wire, and that will be beneficial for them this weekend.
3: All right, Brent, hey, we're going to cut the break real quick. Uh, any chance you can stay on the line for the next segment a little bit? Talk a little college football, and I actually have a question for you regarding Justin Blackman. I want to get your opinion on. Well, there available? All right, cool, man. We'll uh, we'll catch you at the next segment here. We'll go to break real quick, and then talk a little college football. Uh, kind of do a little Justin Blackman follow up. I still got my ball on and falling. My stay in your lane. And I will close out a show on a Friday here on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690. I'm joined by Mr. Brent Martineau.
1: Going to be headed over to, I think, Ohio
3: State game tomorrow. A little college football action for Mr. Martineau and the family. Is that correct, Brent?
1: Yeah, man, I'm going to go. We had a noontime kick. Uh, you know, today we had the festivities last night and today uh, for my wife. Uh, Hall of Fame induction uh, at our high school. So, uh, going to the high school football game tonight, and then we said, you know what? We'll bring the kids to Ohio State, cross Office stadium. They're playing Florida Atlantic, and um, I may even do a little work because we've got a couple <laughs> of Christian guys. Yeah. So, uh, maybe do a little something from here uh, anyway. But, yeah, but, you know what's crazy is I've been in Ohio a long time uh, from school and now obviously coming and visit with uh, – you know my wife's from here is i've only been to the horseshoe once uh, i think i saw him play purdue when i was in college and, and that's it so huh. this will only be my second trip uh to see in a game at ohio state
3: well let me ask you this question brent because you know you you grew up with the boston red Sox and new york yankees rivalry obviously being a being a Sox fan like you are um you know you spent some time in ohio with the ohio state buckeyes and the michigan wolverines which rivalry do you think is more intense and more crazy
1: yeah, it's a good call. Uh, I think here's the deal. The one I've been around Michigan, Ohio state, when Michigan beat Ohio, the heck out of Ohio state for years. In fact, it got John Cooper fired. John Cooper was the head coach at Ohio state. When I was going to school in the late nineties, um, up at Ashland university. And he, he was great, but they could not beat Michigan. It eventually got him fired. Well, now you turn around and now Michigan can't beat Ohio state. Urban Meyer has been able to build it. and Now Jim Harbaugh can't catch up. So, I've seen it both ways, but I've never really seen it go back and forth and back and forth that much, uh, at least since I've been closely following it. I think uh, the best – well, first of all, Yankees-Red Sox is – it's not – at least for me, there's no close second, quite frankly. Okay, Uh, It's just – because I tell the story, the best – I live through it. It's not just, hey, I'm a Red Sox fan, so it's got to be the best rivalry. I lived through it. In 2003 and 2004, I covered back-to-back years of the ALCS, at Yankee Stadium in Fenway Park. I covered all seven games. And when you would go to the Bronx especially, that was old Yankee Stadium, Mm -hmm. it would actually be because we'd go up to walk through the concourse to get to the the media um, seating, which was a bit of an overflow area. It wasn't in the, the press box, but we'd sit way up at the top in like the left field bleachers or third baseline bleachers. And going up there, you could feel the tension in October in the ALCS, to the point where I've always said I would not have been comfortable bringing my kids to that game. Wow! It was, it, I, I seriously, you, you wouldn't, and, yeah. and it was, it was just that intense, and you could just feel it. And, and walking through the concourse, you just felt like a fight was going to break out, like every step of the way. Yeah. And um, it was just that's the way it was. So I've never really felt that before anywhere else. I think the best comp is okay. Where does Ohio State, Michigan? against Florida and Georgia and Jacksonville, and also maybe uh, Texas and Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry. Yeah. and that's probably the best one to now people will say Auburn, Alabama, right? I sure, mean you Iron get Ball, Alabama, yeah. Alabama. Yep. yeah, everybody will will have their own, but I'm a new, more of a neutral observer. It's hard to find neutral observers when you talk about a topic like this. Mm-hmm. And right now for me, I haven't felt uh, Oklahoma, Texas. I've seen it from afar. Uh, I felt Michigan, Ohio State but I still feel like the the pageantry and everything else that fills up Jacksonville, I mean, it's on on top of my list, and I'm probably a bit biased because I've been there now the last decade, but I will say at least it comes from a perspective where I've seen Ohio State Michigan pretty up close to for the last uh, 20, 25 years, or at least been able to feel it um, a little bit closer. The the one that I can't really put in a good perspective is, is Oklahoma and Texas, and a lot of people might say, hey, that's the best one, but, uh, they're all really darn good, and uh, there are a few things like it in sports.
3: Well, you know, speaking of the scene up close and personal, last night we were treated to Clemson and Georgia Tech, and I watched a little bit of that game. That's the that's the beauty of picture and picture and picture, Brent. Like I can have three games at the same time. <laughs> you have three? Oh yeah, you can three. Do three of those oh, I, uh, wow. I can do three games at a time, man. Shout out to PlayStation View. Now cut the check. But um, <laughs> you know, so obviously I made it happen to check out Clemson. All the hype around Trevor Lawrence and everything, and listen. Clemson dealt with Georgia Tech. It wasn't even a ball game. Um, You know, Georgia Tech's kind of on that rebuilding year right now, and I understand that. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, only 13 of 22 – I'm sorry, 13 of 23, 168 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And it's funny because before the the two picks he had last night, the last time he had two picks came in 351 attempts uh, last season as a freshman. So – you know, and we kind of did it with Felipe Franks a little bit, Brent, where we kind of jumped off that Felipe Franks bandwagon. I mean, are you buying the whole Trevor Lawrence hype kind of going down now, or is this it's the first game of the season, you have to work out the kinks a little bit, and he's going to be just fine?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to hammer uh, Lawrence tonight. I think, you know, talking about Felipe Franks, we've seen so many both, si- the both sides of Felipe Franks. Yeah. So I think it's okay to pick a side and say, where's he going to be? I think Trevor Lawrence, we really haven't seen a bad side. And, you know, I saw a highlight because we were at that event. So I saw a highlight yesterday. And when he left his hand, it's just so noticeable when the ball leaves Trevor Lawrence's hand. It looks like it's like out of a cannon. You know, it's so effortless, and it just comes out, and it's like, whoa, where's this thing going to go? Well, there's a different part to this now that you have to keep in mind when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence. Those receivers are damn good. They are so talented, (laughs) and they're so big. You know, so they're going to bail him out sometimes, too. And that's not to take things away from Lawrence. But those guys are going to make him better, too. And they're going to make him look good on plays that he probably should have looked bad on. Uh, So keep that in mind. I think this this is simply sports, in my opinion. And I've said it for a long, long time. One of the hardest things to do is follow a legend, replace a legend, and be good at it. It's not just sit in the spot. I'm saying be good. That's why I've always had a big respect for Maurice Jones-Drew. What he was able to do, Fred Taylor, legendary in Jacksonville. Maurice Jones-Drew comes in, well, one of the best players in franchise history. That is hard to do. You know, the other thing that's hard to do is live up to the hype, especially once you've already done it. That's why I think Patrick Mahomes will come back to earth a little bit this year for Kansas City. I think a guy like Trevor Lawrence, he's the ceiling, where the heck else can you go, man? I mean, the ceiling's only so high. The, the things that you can accomplish are only so much in, in a season. So I think you'll get games like this from Trevor Lawrence because it's just natural. There's only one way to go. Uh, even though he might be getting better as a football player, I'm talking about from the broad view, from a fan view, from a stat view, I think you're going to get games like this. Maybe it's just a rocky start, and maybe he he just goes nuts the rest of the way. But it's a really hard thing to do is live up to what you did previously, especially when you did it so well. And then the hype train that follows it is a really tough spot for a lot of guys, especially young guys uh, like Trevor Lawrence.
3: Action Sports Jax, Brent Oh man, we appreciate you hanging on for another segment to talk some college football with us. Hey, listen, I'll, I'll let you go in a little bit here. I want to give you some quick hitters, uh, a couple questions. Do you have more confidence now in Clemson that Trevor Lawrence kind of did have a bad game and they're still able to dominate? I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be this Heisman favorite guy. Well, ETN comes out. And has 12 carries, 205 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, all of a sudden, like, he might be one of the best running backs um, in all of college football. So, I mean, does that almost give you more confidence now that Clemson's going to be deadly regardless if Lawrence is playing well or not just because they have that running game to back it up now, too?
1: Yeah, we're going to have to get a few weeks of Alabama. But I think what you might be on the verge of seeing – and listen carefully, Alabama fans, and you're not going to like this. Careful now. you might be on the verge of seeing Clemson starting to separate themselves even from Alabama. Clemson played 90 guys yesterday, 90 players. I don't even know how you physically do that in a football game as a coach. That's how confident he is. It's the swagger they have. It's how much talent they have. Not that it's 90. They can go deep. But they have so much talent, they want to get them in. They want to use them. And the more you do that, the more experience you build, the more game plays these guys get, and the better they get. They really have it rolling at Clemson. And uh, it's not just Trevor Lawrence. It's that's all Dabo Sweeney where he has the program right now. It's uh you hate to say this in sports because you can't just roll the ball out. But they can just about roll the ball out, man. It's on cruise control right now in Clemson, South Carolina. He's got it cooking and, and they have an unwavering path to the college football playoff. Like I tried like heck not to put them in the college football playoff. You can't find me a way to do it. Yeah. You can't. I mean, they are cruising to the college football playoff and then they've got so much experience once they get there in that setting that they'll probably win it all again. I mean, it's going to be really hard to beat Clemson, but he's got that program cooking so much that don't worry about the separation of uh – just clemson and alabama with everybody else in college football you better start thinking about the separation between clemson and even in alabama
3: i mean definitely an impressive performance last night and let's not forget it. georgia tech is an acc opponent you know this wasn't some kind of cupcake team that they were playing um you know georgia tech i, I get it they're rebuilding but still an in division opponent so very impressive last night from the clemson uh tigers also speaking of the cupcakes Brenda, i want to ask get your opinion on this real quick so you know, we, we saw them the Miami-Florida game, you know, and obviously both teams, um, you know, had a lot of mental errors. They had a lot of mistakes. It was, it was a sloppy game, to say the least, uh, because we, we, don't have, we don't have a stake in it. So we can be honest. It was a sloppy game. I mean, do you think it's beneficial for these big schools like the Alabamas, like the Floridas? I mean, just pick your big school to play that cupcake game week one to kind of, you know, get the team set, you know, kind of get it back in tune and everything, as opposed to maybe playing the cupcake, you know, in the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, I I do think it is beneficial. What the problem is, we suffer if it happens. You know, I mean, the fans suffer because that's a stupid game. It's just not a game. If we're going to put all this money involved and we're going to have entertainment value involved, it's like these preseason games we are talking about in the NFL. What's the entertainment value? What's the bang for my buck as a consumer Uh, and and as a viewer of this and a fan of this? Well, those games are like that. You know, I I, I like, I'll give you one little thing on the, the cupcake games. I think it's cool for the cupcake guys. Because I think those guys that play at Prairie View or somewhere else, they get to go play in the swamp or or name your big stadium. I think that's a pretty cool moment. I mean, look, your guys are. Murray State's going to go to Athens between the hedges next week and play Georgia. They're going to get romped, man. Uh, They don't have a chance. I mean,
3: by the way, there's a fine line between romped and shocking the world. Let's just leave it at that right now. Sleeping at that right but, now.
1: <laughs> but if you but if you played in that game, I'll let you stay there. I'm not going there, but I'll let you stay there. I appreciate uh, it. That's it, it, all I have. It, it, but if you played in that game, you'd be telling your grandkids someday about of that. There are kids out there. so I I do like that element of it, and of course it helps with their their budgeting and stuff because they don't have the budgets uh, that that these other big schools have, and they're getting paid to come over and play. So they, I'm not saying that it's all bad. It's actually better than preseason games in a way. Um, but, yeah, I get it. I get my team schedule that. If I was a coach, I'd want to schedule something that I want to go see my team play under the lights and get a good feel for them rather than come out against uh, Miami or Oregon and Auburn, uh, especially with a lot on the line in college football week to week. Now, we got a little buffer because the the Final Four instead of you you, you can't lose a game and still make it. Um, so, at least that's invited more of these games. And if we ever get to eight, that will even do that more so. But, uh but I get the balance. It's a delicate balance. I, the fan, the viewer, the, the, I want to be entertained, the guy that's paying, I want the good games. But if I was the coach, I'd probably say, hey, <laughs> let's see what we got here.
3: <laughs> All right. So, you know, my little last uh, tidbit that I saw last night, Brent, I'm not sure if he, he was, you're watching the game, but Utah BYU, you know, and Utah is a, a pretty highly ranked team right now. I think they're kind of like the dark horse to possibly make some noise, even go to the playoff. Uh, some you know experts have them going and BYU is no slouch in themselves. But what I saw last night was almost like an old school philosophy of playing. And, and you know how much I love the phrase stop the run and run the football. And that's what we saw from Utah last night, you know. That they had two touchdowns on defense. I think they have one of the best defenses in the country right now, from what I saw. I get it's only one game, but those guys were flying around. And I mean, from, from your opinion, Brent, you know, uh, of known college football, I mean, is, is there room um, in the whole grand scheme of things of the game right now to have a team like Utah who is going to run the ball a little more and play solid defense? Like, yeah, Wisconsin kind of had the MO for a while, too, but Wisconsin never got to the playoff. I mean, do you think Utah can make some noise uh, solely on, you know, basically having a good running game and playing? good defense.
1: Do I think Utah can make some noise. Let me tell you a little something, Austin Lane. What do you got? When we did our college football preview a week ago, Monday, which is now about, what, a good uh, 12 days ago, 11 okay. days ago. Don't tell me I you got to the let playoff. you know. Don't
3: tell me yes, you got the had a little
1: Utah in the playoff.
3: No kidding. Yes,
1: you had them there. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. I got him coming out of that Pac-12 melee mess, little week, you know what, conference. <laughs> and uh I got I like Kyle Whittingham a lot, and, yeah. yeah, I'm going way out on a limb. I get it. In fact, I watched that first half last night, and I was like, what the heck did I do? This is brutal. True. They're up like 9-6. to six. They yeah. got no chance. But I do think a Kyle Whittingham team is, number one, tough. I think people will sleep on them because of their name. It's not a brand name in football. And I do think they'll get better as the year goes along. And you talk about running the football now. That dude running the football for them? He's pretty good. I mean, yeah. he was fun to watch. I mean, he's going to be a guy. He's a load. He's yeah. tough to stop. So, yeah. um, I, listen, it's definitely a stretch. Uh, but I, I really do like Utah, and I think they'll make some noise. And they've got some challenges on their schedule. One of them was last night, so at least they got by that. And uh, it turns out to be actually a pretty impressive win when you go 30-12 to 12 on the road, even though if you really watch that game, it wasn't pretty at times uh, for their offense. But uh, keep an eye on Utah. I I really do like them. I admit it. I'm going out on a limb because I just don't like to go chalk uh, in the college football playoff. But it could happen. They could find their way in it.
3: And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here watching them the second half. I'm like, you know what? I mean, with that defense, the way they run the ball, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that they, they try to make some noise in the playoff. And here we have Brent Martineau beating me to the punch two weeks prior, picking him in for his uh, college football playoff. But one thing with Kyle Winningham, too, you know, w- what I like about him is, Brent, this is a guy who's been in that system, who's been in that Utah culture for a long time. I mean, start out as a defensive line coach in 1994, and has stuck with that team ever since, and now is the head coach uh, since 2005. So th- th- that's a guy who's built up that culture, who knows what it means to be a Ute, and that's something that you can't say about a lot of that, uh, college football coaches these days.
1: Dude, it looks like he could still play, too. Uh, I'll now. give you my final four, okay, just so you know, and then yeah. maybe you can share yours. If you don't have it today, just uh, tweet it out later tonight before the season really gets going tomorrow. But I've got uh, Clemson, i got Utah, I've got Georgia, and i got Michigan in my final four, okay. so uh, which means I'm leaving out Oklahoma and Texas, which is the tough thing to do, sure. but that's okay. Those are my four in the final four.
3: Put those in stone because the prophet has spoken. Brent Martineau, Action Sports Jacks, man, thanks for coming on. Enjoy yourself tomorrow at that Ohio State game. And, uh, yeah, tell the family we say hey.
1: Hey, no doubt. Uh, have a good weekend. Everybody stay safe. Of course, we'll keep you posted on Hurricane Dorian. Uh, it looks like it's made a little bit of a northern turn, so uh, stay tuned to CBS 47, Fox 30, WOKV, ESPN, all weekend long, we'll keep you updated. And uh, Stuart Weber, Kevin Sullivan on the call tonight. Fernandina Beach against Yuli in our game of the week on ESPN six ninety starts at seven. Nice job, guys. Thanks for uh, filling in for me the last couple of days. All good, no problem.
3: Have a great one. All right, when we get back in ESPN six ninety, going to do the first ever back to back balling and falling and stay in your lane segment. Going back to back. Call me Barry Bonds. Call me whatever you want. Call me Drake if you want. But uh, yeah, we'll do that next when we come back from ESPN six ninety.
6: Just didn't to come up here and mitigate it or fight it or say I mean, there's a lot of things that go on. There's, there's players that are injured that that don't play during the preseason. They go out and play well. You know, we just made a you know a decision of doing what's best we think for the team because of you know all the stuff that happened last year. If I kept everything the same and we had six eight, six to eight guys out, you know, then what then what the story would what the, what the story be?
3: That's head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Marone talking about resting his players, kind of flipping the script a little bit. And listen, I understand there's a lot of frustration in terms of going 0-4 in the preseason. The backup's not looking that good. But the most important part that I've taken from training camp, from this preseason, is the fact that when the Kansas City Chiefs come to town in a little over a week here, the Jacksonville Jaguars, for the most part, are going to be healthy. You know, we'll see what happens with Alfred Blue. We'll see what happens with Josh Oliver. We'll see what happens with Jeff Swain. But all things considered, um, I think you have to like the fact that the Jaguars are, for the most part, almost 100% healthy going into week number one. And that's the most important part. Okay, You can go ahead and make your highlight football preseason films like the Baltimore Ravens win all these games. But what it comes what it comes down to is getting those guys ready to play week one, and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be that. So now, listen, it's the pressure's on Doug Marone um, to see if this kind of philosophy is going to pay off or not, but at least he's going to the the table right now. He's going to that table with all the chips that he needs you know he, he's not throwing chips away because of injuries so from that standpoint you have to like what you see right now with the jacksonville jaguars we kind of covered a little bit today earlier on the show but this is cut day obviously and uh a few big names you know tay hayes ccj revis the guy who um had a great preseason as far as i'm concerned and also dayton jones i think is probably the biggest one that i was surprised to see like go oh, josh wells another one thomas rawls as well uh the running back that was trying to buy for the spot from c Seattle, unfortunately, won't find a home here in Jacksonville. Uh, You know, and there's a couple names you got to keep an eye on as far as maybe signing. You know, I mean, what's going to happen with the secondary, especially those safeties now? Are they going to bring somebody in? Luke Wilson got cut from the Raiders, tight end, a guy with a lot of experience. He's made some big plays in his career. Uh, Do the Jaguars bring him in? Things, uh, kind of storylines to keep an eye on as we go through the week here, prepping for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, another guy, too, Alex Magoo. Um, and Alex was not really surprised anybody that, that he got cut. I do think he's going to be a practice squad guy. Um, the Jaguars would be dumb not to bring him back because I think he showed a lot of promise um, I like Alex Magoo from the standpoint that the guy's got a strong arm um, I think he's got a good feel for the pocket and he can make a lot of plays whether it's with his arm or with his legs you know we saw that in spades this entire preseason and I'm not trying to call him like a, a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes but I do like that little baseball swag that he brings to the table where every pass is in play because he can throw the ball from so many different arm angles and maybe if they keep on developing them and developing them you might have a solid backup there especially with Gardner Minshew who had a pretty rough night last night a guy who showed some progress in the first couple games you know the first game comes out against Baltimore uh kind of gets a rude awakening the welcome to the NFL rookie kind of moment how goes goals flying he, he responds back with a pretty decent Eagles game in Jacksonville goes to Miami shows uh you know some things there and then last night kind of took a couple steps back so Really interested to see what happens now with the backup quarterback position, but let's be honest. If I never mention Gardner Minshew's name again this entire season, it's probably going to be a good sign for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kuz, I think we had a couple questions, or we had at least one question there on on one of our uh, streaming apps that somebody wanted to know. Hit me with it. Yeah, it came
5: through on uh, YouTube. Okay. He, he asked, do you believe Westbrook is the number one wide
3: receiver? It's a good question. Um... Man, see, here's the thing about it. So the the, the days of the number one wide receiver, uh, what does that really mean, right? Like, I can point to Julio Jones and the Falcons, number one wide receiver. I can point to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Houston Texans. He's the number one wide receiver. I think with the, with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, – you know, I, I would probably give it to Didi because he seems to be the favorite target. Now, traditionally, the number one wide receiver is the guy that lines up on the outside. Uh, you know, he's he's doing the go routes a lot and things like that. But then you have like the new school philosophy. You have like a Tyree Kill, who Tyree Kill is the one receiver, but he's not built like one. But I think all things considered with what we've seen in the preseason so far, I think Didi Westbrook is going to be that number one wide receiver type of guy. But Chris Conley is going to be like that 1B then. Like, well, let's go ahead and call DD 1A and we'll call Chris Conley 1B because I still think Chris Conley is going to be the guy that has taken the top off of, uh, of the defenses when they start doing those go routes. And don't forget about Marquise Lee as well. You know, Marquise Lee's had some experience being that one receiver. Obviously may not be ready for week one against Kansas City. Um, still kind of hampered by that knee injury that he had last year. So keep, keep an eye out for Marquise Lee too because when, when he comes back with Marquise Lee, uh, you you're going to have some weapons at your disposal, and maybe, hopefully, uh, Josh Oliver starts to you know catch on as well, and you have a threat at that tight end position. Real quick, let's get into balling and falling, and then cruise control, and then i probably call it a day here. So, balling. Coos, I got that Coco Mania. Call me Tony Mantana. Because the fifteen year old sensation Coco Goff, uh, who has been featured in the segment before, actually became the youngest woman to reach the third round at the u s Open since nineteen ninety six as she beat Tamia Babos uh, in three straight sets now um you know I mean, as far as the hype's concerned, being fifteen years old, not too much pressure for her, obviously but and and listen, I'm not a big tennis guy. And hopefully the hurricane allows me to do this. But her next match is going to be another uh, young superstar, Naomi Osaka, the number one ranked tennis player in the world right now for the U.S. Open. Uh, They are going head to head. And that will be one that I will keep my eyes peeled to, assuming the hurricane doesn't knock out my power. And if so, well, then I'm taking the family and we're going west or north, or wherever the hurricane is not, because I want to watch that along with MMA and other um, events going on this weekend as well. Fallen, uh, real quick, you know, Fallen, um, this isn't so much a Fallen, uh, it's more the fact that, hey, uh, I'm with you guys, and you know, today is cut day, and it's a rough day that a lot of people aren't gonna be able to comprehend or understand. So, from that perspective, uh, just NFL players out there, man, um, good luck to everybody, um, you know, let's just, uh, good luck to everybody, um, i hope you get another shot but if you don't you know here's to happier trails up ahead um so you know just keeping my mind out to all those nfl players out there we're a little behind stay in your lane uh cruise control so real quick cruise control ufc fights this weekend jessica andrage is taken on Uh, i'm sorry we're kind of behind it right now so jessica andrage It's taken on Shenzhen, and she's from China. This fight is taking place in China. Um, It's taking place on home turf for Xinjin. Jessica Andrade is the champion going into enemy territory. Um, Check out that fight. And also, probably the best boxer pound for pound right now. Lomachenko, Vasil Lomachenko will be taking on Luke Campbell uh, Lomachenko, obviously the champ right now, really probably his last fight at this weight class, taking on an Olympic gold medal from Luke Campbell, the, the bigger guy he's got about a 3 inch reach advantage, but there's a reason why High Tech Lomo is the pound for pound greatest check him out this Saturday as well Hey, for Justin Cousart, for Brent Martineau, for Stuart Weber for Marcel Robinson, thanks for hanging out you guys be safe Stay casual, stay dry, and uh, stay safe. We'll catch you next week sometime, hopefully. ESPN 690. Peace.